As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that doesn't even know how to use a calendar anymore, it's Sifpop. Welcome to Sifpop Weekly, streaming live most weekends are available to download later in your podcast feed, unless of course you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he knows 2020 movies forwards and backwards. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Ahoy! And then, yo-ha! Sorry, just a little tenant reference. (laughs) Yo-ha! Each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. He's fully in the zone, but refuses to be a lost soul. It's Jonathan Paula, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, hello, good afternoon, glad to be here. And, you know, I'm all on board the Ahoy train. I think sea shanties are making a clear comeback right now. Clearly, yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are on TikTok, but they are blowing up over there, and <laughs> I am all for it. Uh, yes, I am not uh, on TikTok as much as, I, uh, as much as I'm sure I should be. But, uh, but yeah, I've heard the sea shanties are, are a real big thing right now, so I don't I love it. And I don't, I don't, I don't have one prepared. I apologize. Uh, What do you do with the drunken sailor? Guys, this is exciting. We have reached part two of the sifties and we are going to take a journey through our favorite performances, our favorite moments and our favorite movies of the calendar year 2020. Now that is an interesting thing because of the pandemic. uh, It is uh, shifted a little bit for award season but we're going to try to do our best to do calendar year. So apologies if something is technically a 2021 movie. Um, it's kind of hard to know with some of these things. In fact, we spent our uh, members-only pre-show kind of talking about what a strange award season it has been uh, to try to figure out kind of what goes where. But I'm really excited. I should also mention we will finish the show as we finish every year, Sifties, with the official Sif Pop countdown to number one 
based on all of the contributors and guest gurus that we have on the podcast and on the website, siftpop.com. And we'll talk a little bit more how that works uh, as we get a little bit closer to that. How are you guys feeling? Like, what general thoughts on the movies from the year 2020? Well, straight away, I picked a 2019 release at some point in my list, and I'm worried <laughs> that might be disqualified. No, we won't, dis- we no. won't DQ you. Because uh, technically, it was, it, was a, it was a festival release in 2019. Sure. And- wide in 2020 um, i wonder if we have the same movie because <laughs> i have one of those too it was released do. like right at the end of 2019 but then everywhere else it was at, at one festival but everywhere else it was 2020 I, I, yeah I, I think sort of uh for all intents and purposes kind of a 2020 release and with such yeah. um a dearth of quality films this year i, I kind of wanted to put it in here just so we could talk about it um, and I actually looked at my spreadsheet here, Aaron. I know you'll love this. Mm, I do. Of the last 10 years, 2020 is my lowest overall rating of a 5.93, oh. um, which is um, not great. But it is what it is. And I'm still excited to talk about the... The cream the, of the crop. The, the, yeah, the, the movies that did stand out. The movies that actually are in my highest bracket. Yeah. You know, we always deal with this a little bit. I, I was even thinking, because I recently went through, thanks in min- much part to you, Jonathan, and have really embraced Letterboxd, you know? And so I went through and updated my Fave 41 lists for nice. the for the last uh, 20 years. So since the year 2000. Good, good gosh. How long did that take? <laughs> uh, you know, well, when, you, when you've already got... And then again, this is the reason I embraced Letterboxd fully within the last couple months is I found the upload feature. Yeah, and yeah. so I already had all those lists and spreadsheets. And so it was very easy to upload them and then move stuff around. But what I discovered was how many movies I had in a list for a year were actually from the year before, technically, or you right. know, whatever it might be. And so I kind of shifted some things around for me. You know, from here on out, I'll just, you know, use my list the way I have them. But if I'm doing a, you know, my fave 41 movies from 2006 on Letterboxd, I kind of want all of them to technically to be, be yeah. that year. And so it kind of shifted things a little bit for me. But uh, it's always a, a little bit of a thing, but it's definitely more of a thing this year. So... Uh, Andrew, what about you? How is the, how is uh, 2020 movie wise in general been for you? Uh, it it was down a little bit, but then again, the types of movies that came out this year are vastly different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about in the pre-show how you know big summer blockbusters just weren't a thing; uh, they all got pushed back. But that's not to say that some of the you know the independent films or the ones that went directly to a streaming service weren't good i think that the end of the year like always uh you get some awards contention movies that you're like wow that was really good but it was just like it felt like there was a gap or or something missing Mm -hmm. in my uh viewing uh repertoire that i'm used to seeing that just wasn't there yeah yeah it's it's definitely been an interesting one uh tom in the chat asks how many movies did you folks watch this year Year. I actually just had this question for Aaron, so we know the numbers right off the top of my heads. Yeah. Our heads. I watched, um, last year I watched 655 films because I could not leave the house. <laughs> I had nothing else to do with my time. 655, right. far and away right. a personal record. Of those 655, 99 were 2020 releases. Although, actually, to be fair, uh, about 15 of those I've seen since January 1st. So, yeah. Um, but one thing I do want to say, oh, Aaron, uh, what was your number? It ended up being 117 uh, 2020 releases good. that I saw over the Very course of the year. Very respectable. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's a little lower than usual, but not not too much. Uh, and Andrew, do you know about how many movies you saw this year? Roughly 55-ish. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely a a, a down year, but of course a lot yeah. of that makes definitely makes I sense. I did want to quickly say on on my thoughts on 2020, part of me sort of selfishly enjoyed that everyone was stuck at home because with two young girls at home, I don't get a chance to go to the cinema anymore because we have to get a babysitter. We have to it's a whole thing, especially since the only time I can really go is after work when they're already in bed. It complicates things and so I usually only watch stuff at home, and I have to wait three or four months for them to come out on digital. Yeah. In 2020, everyone was stuck in that boat, so I was kind of on equal footing, and I kind of like that. <laughs> I'm so used to people seeing movies like Tenant three months before I do, and finally it was like, all right, I kind of get to be part of the conversation in real time. Yeah. Whereas the last few years, I've kind of been like, please stop talking about these movies. I can't see them for another couple months. <laughs> <laughs> so that's for like I'll I'll listen to the Sifpot podcast, but like three months, nine weeks or whatever after they come out because right. I haven't seen half of these movies yet. Yeah, and boy, with, with a lot of the things that have happened, you just wonder if you know same-date streaming is, is going to be continue to be common even after we're out of this. We'll see. That's, that's certainly an unknown right now. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been interesting to say the least, and I'm excited to get into it to talk about our favorites. We're going to uh, kick it off with our favorite performances of 2020 uh we do not uh distinguish by gender we just do our our favorite 10 performances uh and kind of go around did we say we did say 10 right we're gonna do 10 of these yeah yeah um each uh, 10 so, five, 10. so 10 for performance five for moments and then 10 for correct that's that's what i thought it was so we'll go from number yeah. 10 to number one and we will count down our favorite performances of the year um Let's go ahead and, and kick it off with uh, Jonathan. Why don't you start us off? What's your number 10? Sydney Flanagan in Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. This is that um, Great choice. really uh, a beautiful film, really understated, really quiet, slice of life. A woman needs to travel out of state to get an abortion because she's underage. Her parents don't approve. And just seeing this process, mostly sort of unvarnished from any sort of political commentary. It's not telling you which way to feel about it. It's just this is what her choice is, and this is what she has to go through to get there. And there's a, a, a one-minute shot in the middle of the film where the title comes from, where she's asked from this this therapist and the person at the medical clinic asking her, you know, with the answers never, rarely, sometimes, or always, have you ever this? Have you done this? Have you had unprotected sex? Has your boyfriend ever hit you? And she just goes through this laundry list of items relating to her sexual history and her relationship. And it is really powerful stuff. And this shot just stays on her face for like eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've never seen Cindy Flanagan in anything before, but I will be keeping an eye on her because she was f- phenomenal in this. Really great. Absolutely a great choice. One of my honorable mentions um and uh, and and definitely definitely that moment is the moment yeah. of the movie. So yeah, she's great. Andrew, what do you got at number ten? Uh, this uh, performance is from the movie that I was talking to John about. That technically had a uh, hmm. uh, a release in 2019, but every other time was actually 2020. And that's going to be for Caleb Landry Jones in The Outpost. Hmm. I have and not seen. That's not my pick, but I, I like the okay. Uh... <laughs> yeah. This is a very interesting movie. It's based on a true story of uh, this uh, base uh, in Afghanistan that these uh, U.S. soldiers are in, and it was—I think it, they said it was like uh, strategically, it was the worst placed outpost in modern military history. Like it was surrounded on all four sides by mountains, so. 
everything was just a shooting gallery down into this base. And uh, Caleb Landry Jones is like working alongside Scott Eastwood and Orlando Bloom. And he is giving a very realistic and uh, very impressive performance. I think that it's a uh, it's a very harrowing movie, but it's also grounded in reality to where it's not glorifying uh, like war or anything like that. It's showing what these guys really went through, and it's a very powerful movie. I really enjoyed it. Very nice. Uh, my number ten, um, I think, should be an example to how many. Uh, or an indication to how many great performances there were this year, because I think this is a spectacular performance, but it made my number ten, and that's Elizabeth Moss in The Invisible Man uh, coming in yeah. at number. Are we uh, are we uh, are we doing Trump rules today? No, or not usually with okay. countdowns. We'll just kind of okay. uh, yeah. you know talk about them when when they're on our list. Um, but yeah, I assumed you guys may may have this performance on there as well because she yeah. is absolutely astonishing uh, in this movie. Terrific, um, and it was like the first big movie yeah. of 2020 I saw. And I had such high hopes for the year. This I think this came out pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it's great. It's one of the few like universal horror remakes that's been good. Yeah, uh, the Mummy, famously terrible. Um, the last few Frankenstein adaptations been awful. This yeah. was excellent. She was so good. All right, yeah. uh, let's go on to number nine, John. I had Sarah Paulson in Run. And I don't want to give a lot away, um, but her performance involves a lot of manipulation, a lot of emotional manipulation. And uh, she's good. We know Sarah can play like crazy. Um, and this might be like the absolute most evil or perverted character. I've mm-hmm. seen uh, her play certainly in her career. But it's just, it's an absolute r- real hatred. Uh, fills your body when you watch her in this film. And she sells it in a way that's like your blood boils. It's like she is so bad at this. <laughs> yeah. uh, great, great film. Uh, Andrew, what's it's your number a, nine? It's a perf- oh, go ahead. It's a performance where uh, you feel sorry for her because you know she's ill, like mentally ill. But at the same time, what she's doing, it's kind of like, uh, did you ever see The Act on Hulu, which is based not. on a true story of Munchausen by proxy? It, it's a lot like that where you're like, oh, this person's ill, but uh, you just feel so dirty. and uh, It's... It is a good performance. So it is really good. and the young girl in the movie, I forget her name, but she is also given a really good performance as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number nine is where I have Kenneth Branagh from Tenet. Oh. I think that he is actually the uh, the uh, a lot of people were apparently down on his performance. I and I think Aaron too loved his performance. Yeah, it's very theatrical, but mm-hmm. it's also grounded in reality enough to where that over the top you know evilness actually works and maybe it's because he's working alongside like elizabeth debecky and uh who is also given a stellar performance in this and she was very close to making my list um but i think that kenneth brand is actually the standout performance of the movie and just a shout out to them letting uh elizabeth debecky be tall in tenet yes um, thank she you is towering mm. over those guys I appreciate it uh yeah it's it it, it always it irks me to see her in other movies where they've obviously put her like in a hole or put the actor on, you know, literally, literally in trenches. With yeah. Some other actors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good choices. Good choices. My number nine is probably not on either of your lists, uh, but I've got Jesse Buckley from I'm thinking of ending things uh, at number nine. I haven't seen that one yet. It is on my short list, but uh, tell us about it. She is. I get it. 
She she is great in this, and what she's being asked to do is kind of a, a very rare type of performance. Um, she's being asked to carry some things that I, I don't want to spoil, um, but in, and honestly, the movie doesn't clearly spoil either. This is one of those movies where you kind of get to interpret it for yourself. I don't think you can spoil that movie because what, <laughs> whatever, whatever you'd say would not make sense. <laughs> right, right. Um, but uh, I think I love this movie more than most, but uh, specifically her performance is one I think we can all get on board with. I think she's she's really incredible in it. So that's my number I have nine. her pretty high on uh, my list of the year. Yeah. It's such a good movie. It is really good. Uh, all right, number eight. I have Vince Vaughn and Freaky. Um, Great choice. The pitch, the pitch for this is it's Freaky Friday, right? It's, it's a body mm-hmm. switching uh, yeah. horror comedy genre mashup. And Vince Vaughn is like a, a, a stoic, monstrous serial killer who swaps bodies with a, a teen girl. And his performance has to embody both of those in both parts of the film. And, and somehow he pulls it off. It's one of the movies I think he was kind of born to play. Like he he's good at like these kind of quirky comedy bits and... He got to, a lot to chew on here, and it's it's delightful. He is so much fun. Yeah, there, there's the scene in that movie that was so close to making my best moments, but it's the uh, the flirting in the back of the car scene mm-hmm. is oh, so it's, perfect. It's it's it's, it's like so earnest, perfect. it's honest, and like I mm-hmm. didn't feel weird or creeped out. I'm like this actually. It's like a nice yeah. tender moment, even though Vince Vaughn is like a 50 year old man and he's <laughs> opposite like a 19 year old mm-hmm. boy. This works. How yeah. does it work? It works because Vince Vince is really good in this movie, and I think it's a very yeah. worthy choice for your list at number eight. What do you got, Andrew? Uh, for number eight, uh, this I don't know if this is going to be on either of your uh, lists, but without this performance, this movie is garbage. I'm going to go with Russell Crowe and Unhinged. <laughs> No, I actually, no. that's, that was like, maybe not on my honorable mentions, but I thought about it. I did think about did it. Did you? Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I guess you're right. You're not wrong. I mean, he's given a great performance here. It's just, it's, yeah. it's just the movie does not uh, honor that performance uh, in, yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think that it's a really good performance and I think it's the saving grace for the film without him doing what he's doing and being as psychotic as he is. It, it it just doesn't work. Uh, I I think that he is doing something really good. Not awards worthy, obviously, but it's good. Yeah. It's a good performance. Except here on the Sifties, where you know he's officially the number your number eight. So congratulations, Russell yeah. Crowe, on your awards. <laughs> yeah, this is what he's been really <laughs> looking forward to his entire we'll, career. We'll, we'll not see. Gladiator. No, not no. you know, not the Oscars for that. He's pumped or, right uh, now. Beautiful Mind. He is so it's pumped this. right now. Hey, Russell, we can sit. We'll send you a statue if you want. Just reach out. Let me know. I, I yeah. for one, I, I'm not ashamed to say I thought the movie was fun. It is trash. It is pulp. It is kind of insulting, honestly, at how like violent it is for no reason. Uh, but I kind of, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, in for my number eight performance is kind of my first movie right on the border of 2020-2021. I have uh, Steven Yeun from uh, Minari here at my number eight. Now, this isn't widely available yet. It will be very soon. I could be wrong. Remind me which character he plays. Is he the dad or the kid? He's the dad. Um, Yeah. 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 I assumed. I just want to double check. And so it's, uh, again... Apologies if it's technically, you know, in 2021 for most people, but I think it did have a, a bit of a release in 2020, if not theatrically uh, at festivals, I believe it was seen. So anyhow, Minari is uh, spectacular and a lot of that has to do with Steven Yeun. I think he's absolutely wonderful. He does this thing that I really love where he everything is 
understated but completely felt. And I think that's such a gift for an actor to have the ability for you to feel everything they're feeling while keeping it uh, so internal in many ways. Um, so, yeah, there's there's some really great stuff going on here. And I, I love Stephen and Minari. So that's my number eight. Nice. Uh, number seven is jo- uh, Jonathan. Uh, Aubrey Plaza had two great performances last year, uh, but my favorite was in Black Bear, uh, which is this twisty, turny, it's a unique film that uh, is best experienced unspoiled. I think every movie is, but this especially. And uh, she does some really interesting stuff and some really intense scenes where she's like in a, in a, in a mood that's violent and emotional and vulnerable all at the same time. She's screaming, she's yelling, she's kicking. And uh, you have to, to get into that headspace in the, in the context of the scene she's in, uh, it's, it's difficult to describe it without spoiling it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's sort of like a, a Russian nesting doll. Like she's a performance mm-hmm. within a performance. And she does it so, so well. And there's a couple beats in that where I was like, ooh, that was, that was very convincing. Uh, and she's great. And she, I think everyone knows her. She's been in a lot of sitcoms and a lot of TV shows. But I haven't seen her do drama and, and emotion like this deep before. And I think, I think part of the reason I liked it is because it surprised me. Uh, it's an incredible scene. And yeah. she is uh, astonishing in it. She is very worthy of this conversation, for sure. I, I, the movie overall was disappointing to me. I was disappointed by the end of the movie. Um, but uh, but that- I, I agree. I think there was definitely, I felt like they had things left to, yeah. to sort of uh, uh, to yeah. cash in on. And I, 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 I didn't love the the overall experience but her performance was really powerful definitely worth mentioning andrew uh you're number seven uh i think honestly my top seven are movies i truly believe everybody should at least get nominated for the academy uh these are all stellar performances my number seven is viola davis and ma rainey's black bottom it's a very i find it to be a very transformative uh performance like you barely recognize her. I think that she becomes Ma Rainey, and it's it's just a privilege to watch. It's this character is so unlike anything I've ever seen Viola Davis do. Uh, very dour and not giving a crap about what anything anybody says. She she believes she is and knows that she is this talented. You know character and she knows she doesn't have to put up with anybody's guff um it's not my f- favorite performance in the movie we're definitely going to get to that much later down this list but i think that viola davis gives a stellar performance in this movie very nice uh totally agree um i you know i just it just struck me just to say uh because again with all the confusion of award season and that kind of stuff uh there are some performances i've seen um i'm just gonna throw out malcolm and maria as one of them that aren't going to be on our list, but that are probably going to get a lot of buzz in the next couple of months. Um, and it's just kind of a, uh, just a, a weird thing of just kind of how we're doing it. So, um, but yeah, because you were, you were talking about how all of yours are going to get nominated. I'm looking at mine and thinking, yeah, I think they might, but then there's so many that are yet to kind of be on the radar that I'm like, well, I wonder if they will. Um, but we'll see. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, my number seven is Delroy Lindo from *The Five Bloods*. Um, <laughs> you know I, I got that seen higher that one yet. <laughs> he, he is. You know so I got that one higher. Good in this. Uh, this movie is definitely one to watch, and uh, yeah, he's he's absolutely incredible. We'll save some conversation for him later when uh, when Andrew mentions him. Uh, let's move on to our number sixes. 
Uh, I have Pete Davidson in The King of Staten Island, uh, sort of a semi, semi-autobiographical picture about his upbringing, dealing with the loss of his father and the, the stepdad played by Bill Burr, who could have also been in this conversation. I think they both sort of played off each other really well. Uh, but for Pete, this is sort of a breakout performance. Everyone knows him from SNL and from being kind of aloof, kind of all over the place. But this is sort of a focused, dramatic effort from him that had a lot of nuance and uh, I really appreciate it. I thought he was great in it. I don't know that he can repeat this. I think this is kind of, he's so good because he's kind of himself. playing, he's play, playing himself. He's playing in his own, his home territory, so to speak. Um, so I don't know that we'll see him do this again. But for this situation, he was fantastic. I, I mean, I hope he does. I, I yeah. hope he's got kind of that extra level. Um, you know, that's certainly, it's not unprecedented. For somebody on SNL to have that extra level and actually turn into a great dramatic uh, performer. So um, we'll see where it goes. It's so funny. I was just thinking you mentioned kind of his general uh, apathy. And he has this character on SNL. I forget what the yeah. name of the character is. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah, you know no, he's, and he's great at that. So, so one of my sons literally does this and he's never seen that skit. Like you, I, anything, I bet. anything you ask, anything you say, okay. Okay. Oh, Chad? <laughs> yeah, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> that might be his name, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Chad. I have a Chad. He has, I, honestly, I'm going to say this. Chad is one of my favorite sketch, like recurring sketches fantastic. on this. It really is. It's fantastic. Because every single time he goes on a crazier adventure that he mm-hmm. just doesn't care about, like he got transported to like Lion Witch in the Wardrobe Land. He's like, okay. 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 Uh, what do you got at number six, Andrew? This is where I have Elizabeth Moss from Invisible okay. Man. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting performance in the fact that she is making this traumatized woman seem so believable. And I think without her giving this performance to the level of, I don't know if she's crazy or not, to where like I was questioning if this was a sci-fi movie or if it's just a, a mental health movie. Like That's how good her performance is where I'm going... Oh, I don't know if she's just crazy or not, because it's it, it's that good. And my dog agrees; he totally <laughs> loves this movie. Yeah, yeah, she's incredible. Absolutely. We'll talk about it some more, but hundred hundred percent agree. Nice. My number six is Kings Kingsley Ben Adir from Five Nights in Miami. Um, he is astonishing. Uh, it sounds like Andrew is going to. Just consider every performance I say a little bit higher than me. But uh, <laughs> you say five nights in Miami, or it's one night in Miami, it's, right? It is one night in Miami. It was so good, I, I multiplied it by five. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it is one night in Miami. Okay. Uh, it is, a, a, you know, a great movie overall. I'm sure we'll talk about it more as the show goes so which, on. So um, which 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 uh, performance or which character is he playing? Because I'm not Malcolm X. Yeah, he plays Malcolm okay. X. Um, and everybody in this movie is great. I think he stands just a little bit taller um, than the other three, but just a little bit. They're all spectacular in this movie. Um, but yeah, I wanted to mention him. All right, let's go on to our number fives. What do you got uh, at number, number five? five this, this one might be an oddball for you two. Um, I have Maria Bakalova from Borat subsequent movie film. I don't think that, she, I mean, y- you know we don't like the movie as much as most people, but I don't think this is a horrible choice whatsoever. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad uh, you agree at least on, on uh, the merit of the choice because she's fantastic. There's such a, uh, a quality to the authenticity to her performance, especially when, when um, you learn like she's half of the performance isn't even in her native language. And, and she's doing things with real people 
um, and not breaking character. Like, these are situations uh, that border on both cringeworthy and scary. And in, in some situations where one uh, nice woman brings her into her home and, like, takes care of her, and she has to then simultaneously, like, turn around and betray these people because they're making a film that doesn't make them look great. The, the amount of, um, I don't know, detachment you can have from the real world to your character to pull these things off and look people in the eye with a straight face. It's not, it's not just an act, uh, acting. It's like real-world performance to a, to a mm-hmm. respect. And uh, she's fantastic. Um, there's something about it that made... It saved Borat, I think, for me. Um, I think if it was just Sasha, it would have been more of the same. But her addition really, I think, helped in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. you have to give her the benefit of just how different and difficult what she is doing is than most actors have to do. And I think yeah. that that make alone brings it into the conversation in a real way. Um, so yeah, I, I have no problem talking about that performance, uh, uh, in that way. So yeah, good choice. Um, what do you got, Andrew? Number five. Number five. Uh, this is where I have Franklin Gella for trial of Chicago hmm. seven. Okay. He was what great at a, being a dick. <laughs> what a vile, vile person. Oh, he's terrible. Uh, he does such a good job of making you hate him. <laughs> he's, not, he's, he's made a career out of that. Like. You go back to Frank's performance in like Dave from 25 years ago. I'm like, I hate this guy. Stop being such a jerk. Yeah. So strangely uh, enough, though, apparently toned down from the real judge. Yeah. Apparently right? the real judge was even yeah, worse. Th- was so, way worse. It's crazy. I can't yeah. believe it. Yeah. Uh, but he does such a good job at it that I got to give him props. He, without him, you know, hating him that much, you you don't root you don't root for the guys as much. Just his vileness is palpable. No, I, I really yes. wanted to see him like slap the across the face by the end of this trial. I just wanted to like <laughs> oh, get yeah. out of order. Yeah, and quite get that satisfaction. But he's he's so good in it. He is very good. Yeah. Uh, my number five is Riz Ahmed. Uh, Sound of Metal um, comes in at number five for mm-hmm. me. Uh, this is an absolutely astonishing performance, uh, and he's asked to do. Again, some things that are both different and more difficult than most actors are asked to do. And I think he conveys exactly what he needs to convey. Uh, His character is fully formed. You know exactly who that character is right from the beginning, which allows you to invest in such a deep way into what he's going through. Um, Because of his performance, you also have that thing where you're screaming at him not to do like not to make the choices he's making because you care about him, the empathy that but you, you also have for him. Why? But you also get it from his person. You understand, yes, that is what the character would do, and and you've been there. Like you can think of examples in your own life where you thought you knew what the right choice was, and you were just wrong. You were just wrong. And uh, yeah, I just it's it's a a great performance, and I think uh, I think makes the movie. I mean, the movie is interesting in its construction and in its message and in its script, but I think the performance itself is what makes it that next level. So, yeah, Riz Ahmed is my... Completely agree. We'll talk about it more later. Nice! Uh, It's just my lot to name performances that you guys have higher up on your list. That's just what I'm here for. Um, All right, let's get to our number fours. What do you got? Candice Bergen in Let Them All Talk. Um, Good choice. It's really difficult to overshadow Meryl Streep in a Meryl Streep film. Um, but Mrs. Murphy Brown uh, did a fantastic job of playing this like bitter and jealous friend of a famous author on this 
cross-Atlantic uh, um, crossing. Uh, we actually talked about the uh, Let Them All Talk here on the podcast a few months back, and she was a standout for me. I thought she was so good at it. And yeah. there was something about that, like, middle-aged woman uh, that you you don't see that character on screen that often. Like, those types of roles don't exist in Hollywood. Um, like, average, everyday, middle-aged women. And there was something um, really authentic about, like, her bitterness that rang true to me. And uh, I thought she was great. Good choice. Good choice. Andrew, yeah. uh, what do you got at number four? Uh, this one is a performance that's going to get overlooked, definitely, for, by for the award season. But I'm going to go with... Omid Mimar from seven five zero zero. I yes, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has given a really good performance in this, a great performance, I should say. But I think Omid is given probably one of the most r- realistic performances I've seen in a really long time. He's not given a lot of screen time. He's more reserved for the the second half of the movie. But whenever he is on screen, he is delivering a performance that I'm like, wow, I believe everything that this kid is doing right now. And for somebody as young as him to be doing what he's doing is also very impressive. Nice. Uh, Good choice. Uh, My number four is Carrie Mulligan from Promising Young Woman. Um, Excellent. This this is one of those movies, another one of the movies of this year, where I'm just like, I want to tell you about how amazing this movie is, but I can't really tell you about how amazing this movie is (laughs) without making it a little less amazing for you. (laughs) I I went into this mostly cold, and I did not know even like the genre. Uh I thought it was going to be something completely different. And I was like, okay, this is um, this is more serious than I expected, and I loved it. It was so fun, and she's great, and that's why I have her at number four. I think she's absolutely incredible in this. I think uh, she will get some awards buzz, and I think it's deserved. Um, you know, she's she's pulling off something that is so of the moment and is uh, elevated. There's an elevation to what this movie is doing and yet she makes it believable. She makes it real, even though it's elevated and that, that is a, an acting gift. And, uh, and so I think it's worthy of a mention. So that's my number four. Um, on to our number threes, three left guys. What do you got at number three, Jonathan? Uh, we've already talked about her twice. Elizabeth Moss. Hey, Invisible man was, uh, <laughs> one of my favorites of the year. Certainly top three. Um, everything we've already said, I think it's, it's hardest to act opposite. Nobody, uh, we always talk. We always hear about actors complaining about acting opposite green screen is really difficult because you have nothing to even emote with, uh, and she's like in an empty kitchen being pulled around by strings uh, in some of these scenes. Um, and so much of the, her performance is that fear and that dread, and, and not only that, but that inherent understanding that like I know I'm being harassed, I know I'm being stalked, and nobody believes me, and that sort of frustration and anger and fear all sort of mixed together. Uh, make for a really compelling character, and it takes what is kind of a kind of a gimmicky premise, right? An invisible man into a really effective like horror film, and uh, she's great in it. Uh, oh, our yeah. our first three Pete, congratulations, mm-hmm. uh, Elizabeth Moss, for making everybody's list. Um, and yeah. Jonathan has you at number three. Uh, Andrew, who uh, who do you have at number three? This is where I have Chadwick Boseman from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, I think I said this whenever we initially did the review for this movie that I felt like I was sad because I knew this was the last performance that we were ever going to see from him. But I was also, I felt thankful that he was, had, was, he shared his gift with the world, you know, that Mm -hmm. we got to see how good of an actor he was. 
And the, if this is his last performance, I mean, what a way to do it because this was a stellar performance. That whole scene where he's doing the uh, Levy knows how to talk to the white man and he's given his backstory mm-hmm. was just bone chilling. It was brutal. such. It really is. Yeah, it was brutal, but you like you are locked in. It was such a great performance. I absolutely think this is one of the best performances. Obviously his best performance, but one of the best performances I've seen in a very long time. He's incredible. Uh, You say obviously his best performance. I think you're right. I think it is his best performance, and that's fairly obvious. But man, has he done some good ones. Um, That's what I'm saying. Like He shared his gift with the world, and it's sad to know that that he's gone, but at the same time that we felt we're so lucky that we got to see him do what he yeah. did. Yeah. I think what's what's more interesting is he didn't share it publicly, but he knew he was terminal. And yeah. when he was filming this movie, he had to have known this is probably I don't have a lot of months left. Yeah. Um and he he put it all out there and it is absolutely uh like breathtaking. He's at my number 2, so we might as well just discuss him now, but um Yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. so good in this. And I I think yeah. he I think there's a strong chance he wins the Oscar for this. I really do. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's he's uh, still on my list to talk about as well. So yeah, we will uh, we will continue to talk about him. Uh, my number three is Vanessa Kirby uh, from Pieces of a Woman. Um, I think she's doing astonishing work in this movie. I think the the weight that she's asked to carry, especially during that opening scene, is uh, is a lot to ask of an actor, and I think she pulls it off wonderfully. Um, yeah, I I really bought into this movie. Uh, because of her and uh, and yeah, I think she's she's incredible. So she's my number three. Yeah, uh, she was very close to making my list. It was just that I think that the first that first scene is so different from the rest of the movie. If yes. we were going just off that first scene, yeah, she'd be number one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, you, uh, you said your number two, Jonathan, was uh, Chadwick. Number, yeah, Chadwick at number two. Um, echo everything uh, you guys already said. Um, it, it is. It's it's both um, impressive to watch him, and it was also heartbreaking to know that this is it. This is the last time we'll really get to see it. Um, yeah. But it's it's it was so powerful. I think because of that. But irrespective of his uh, premature death, I think the performance itself was really quite phenomenal. And he's yeah. he's he's shouting and emoting and screaming and hitting these uh, emotional extremes that uh, are just really difficult to capture. Uh, totally agree. Um, all right. Uh, let's see your number two, Andrew. This is where I had a Kingsley Benadier for oh, nice. uh, one night in Miami. Uh, yeah, as him as Malcolm X, it is. Uh, it's so transformative. All those guys are. The, uh, I need to look up their names who they play, but I know it was Jim Brown, Sam Cooke, uh, Cassius Clay, who's Muhammad Ali, and then uh, Malcolm X. But every single one of those guys is just. So good. I would not be surprised if every single one of those guys got a nomination one for uh, supporting or lead. I it it would make sense. It really it's, would. It's one of those, those things where. Um, it, and by the way, we're going we're going to do this as a full review uh, on the podcast probably next week uh, or the okay. week after. So we will talk about this some more. Um, but yeah, it is, it is one of those casts where you're just like, oh, so you got the perfect person for every role, and they hit it out of the park. Good job, you know. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's just yeah. that easy. It's just that easy. Yeah, uh, that's all you have to do. That's all you okay. got to do. Just <laughs> cast the right people and have them uh, hit home runs. 
it 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 was really close to making my list, but I'm gonna say it for best moment. The scenes between Sam Cooke and Muhammad or, and Malcolm X going back and forth of philosophically and what their roles uh, in life are is some of the most like enamoring and beautiful mm-hmm. uh, performances ever. Yeah, it, it's crazy good. But I think like uh, I think like uh, uh, Aaron said earlier, I think that. Uh, Kingsley stands just a hair above the rest of them, but they're all so good. They're yeah. all so good. Yeah. You're both making me regret not squeezing this in uh, the last two <laughs> weeks. I, I binged as many award contenders as I could since the first of the year, and yeah. uh, this one just missed out. Uh, yeah. My number two, speaking of Ma Rainey, this is uh, where I have Viola Davis uh, at uh, number two. I think she's incredible in this. Uh, well worth any attention she gets for it. Awards-wise, uh, like you said, transformative is the the word to use here. Um, yeah, I think she's, she's astonishing here. I don't know that I have a, a ton to add, uh, but she has very firmly planted herself as one of the best actors working uh, time after time after time. And she's certainly one of the best actresses in the last 20 yeah. years. She's, yeah. she's been hitting it out of the park every time she's on screen. She's incredible, and she's incredible in this. Uh, so that is my yep. number two. Um, all right, our favorite performance of the year. Jonathan, your favorite performance of the year is? Riz Ahmed in The Sound of Metal. Um, nice. I, I, I was transformed by this movie. Um I have deaf relatives. I've worked closely with recovering addicts. Um, so these were two communities that I have personally seen firsthand. I thought they did them uh, uh, really effectively. And I think Riz's portrayal of someone going through that, that, that frustration and that anger of you know what choice you have to make, but you emotionally are not there yet. And that battle between like intellect and emotion, he he goes down the middle of that line so effectively because you're angry with him, but you empathize with him at the same time. And that whole experience of him going through, it's basically the acceptance that he's going to lose his hearing and dealing with it like an addiction. He's Mm -hmm. addicted to hearing. And he plays like an addict as well as I've seen anyone. And uh, it was really good. Really, really, yeah, my favorite of the year. There's an element uh, I didn't talk about when I talked about that performance too that I I did connect to in that <clears throat> if I had a moment and and I kind of almost did when I went through my health scare. Well, I say health scare when I died there for a second. Um, <laughs> when, <laughs> Don't understand it, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, I was I had tubes in my throat, and when I came out, I wasn't sure my voice was ever going to recover. Uh, those first few months. I could only talk for a certain amount of time before it just was too much and got too tiring. Um, I still can't really sing like I, I used to be able to. Uh, if I if I sing for too long, it, it starts to hurt. And I just thought of how much of my life is about communicating th- through my words, <laughs> you know, like like yeah. voiceover and podcasting and radio and like I have chosen to make a life using sounds from my throat and. The idea of that to be taken away um, was terrifying, and so like there is an element of this that uh, that kind of personally hit me on an interesting level. Um, I'm very thankful that uh, you know it appears you know my throat has made uh, if not a full recovery, pretty much a full recovery. Um, so so yeah, but there was definitely that element of it um, that he. Here's my really aside well. on that. After visiting Aaron in the hospital, I had no doubt that he was going to be able to talk he was a he was a chatterbox in the hospital he doesn't remember any of this but he was a chatterbox 
Yeah, yeah. I was I was on drugs, guys. I was on a lot of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Andrew. What is your number one performance of the year? This is going to go to Delroy Lindo for Defy Bloods. Nice. Honestly, uh, I I truly believe this is in the top ten greatest performances of all time. Ooh. I wow. think that this performance is unlike anything I'd seen in a very long time. It's up there with like Daniel Day Lewis and There Will Be Blood, like of how much he owns. He owns this movie. And all the guys in this movie are great, but seeing the the emotion and the return of trauma long since gone that he's tried so hard to push down within him seeing all of that come back to the surface over the course of this movie and how it just overtakes him. It, it's kind of like uh, uh, in the Treasure of the Sierra Madre, how mm-hmm. you just see this this craze. And there's a lot of parallels between well, I was gonna say, Bloods and Treasure yes, of the Sierra Madre. Spike has, there's a lot of parallels. Spike has, has talked about that, about how Treasure of the Sierra Madre was kind of his blueprint for this movie in a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah, and you definitely see that. But I think that Delroy's performance is so... It's like that dragon, like that dragon lust for gold. It's just, it's crazy seeing. And he has that part at the end of the movie where he's just doing that, just giving that monologue to the camera that you're just like, what am I watching? Nobody is supposed to be this good at acting. Yeah. It's elite. It should be illegal. (laughs) It's uh, honestly, it's blew my mind how good his performance was. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, my number one is Chadwick. Uh, I have Chadwick yep. Boseman in Ma Rainey at my number one. Um, Chadwick is the second performance this year to make all three of our lists. Um, yeah. And, Fantastic. Uh, yeah. I uh, somebody in the the chat was asking about how do they present an award to somebody uh, posthumously and uh, posthumous. posthumously. Thank you. And uh, I think the last time that happened was with Heath Ledger. Is that right? Um, yeah. I can't. I can't. At, at least, least the, the last time an actor won. Right. On, yes. One of the main main categories, at least. And yeah. uh, and they just do. And they have somebody accept for them. And, and that's just how it goes. Um, I think we're headed that direction. And I think, uh, obviously, you can tell since I have him at number one, I'm totally fine with that. Because uh, yeah. I think he we deserves it. We had him at three, two, one. I had him at three. John had him at two. And you had that's him right. at one. That is correct. So, yeah. yeah. That is correct. Uh, I also want to quickly, not to toot our own horn, but um, three white guys. I think all three of our top threes were people of color or women, and I think yeah. that's fantastic. Uh, one, wow! Two, not... You had to get all the way down to Frank Langella for me, my number five. I don't have a white guy in my top ten, and I'm I, just. I had I'm... Pete Davidson and Vince Vaughn. <laughs> that was it. I'm <laughs> just like, oh, interesting. Well, that's kind of cool. I, I didn't even that's notice good. that. I, Definitely I, wasn't and, intentional. I was just exactly. Like, I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm. Was not doing that. I'm not trying to. The reverse racism. I right, think it's important right. to be cognizant of that. Right. But if this is a reflection of what the Oscars might look like, like thankfully we might be past the yeah. Oscars so white because th- this was yeah. a really diverse group of people. Well, um, and I and I I've all had, three of us. I've had that conversation to, uh, and and I'm not ch- uh, cutting the Chadwick conversation short. We've we've talked a lot about Chadwick. I don't know that I have a, a lot to add that we haven't already covered. Yeah. But I was talking with somebody recently. Um, actually, no, I posted this and was having conversations with people. Uh, about that I truly believe uh, that they should do away with the gendered acting categories. I think it should be yeah. more nominations, nominate 10 people, um, but just do best performances like we do here on the show. And the yeah. reason we do that is because I, I believe there really shouldn't be a ghettoization or a difference 
between you know how we think about you know yeah. how the genders do acting. And you, would you still keep actor and supporting? Yes, I would. Or, okay. Yes, yeah. And I think there could be fun to do a best overall performance where like everybody's included, but that's a little more like gimmicky kind of fun thing to right. do. Whereas this, I just think is the right thing to do. We're also dealing with so many more gender issues in our society yeah. and the idea of what is gender and the construct of gender and how do you, you know, determine uh, gender. Well, it, I, I think I understand. Uh, um, it, I don't know if I agree, but I understand at least the separation of genders in certain applications, sports, certainly. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like acting is such like, how the heck does it matter if you're a girl or a boy when it comes to acting? Like it is such a, like a non-relevant aspect of a performance. I mean, it relates to the character, but you don't necessarily have to be that gender to play that character. And so the main response in opposition to this that you will get and that I did get and that I've heard before is, well, you know how it's Oscars so white? It'll just be Oscars so male. And it's like, well... I don't know that that's the case. Well, it might it might not be the I case. Think... But if it is, then we deal with... Then, then we have to wrestle with it. Right now, we don't yeah. have to wrestle with anything, you know, because everything just gets nicely separated. And the, the only way the bias gets exposed is to expose the bias. And right. so I, I just think in, in a long-term fashion, that's the healthiest way to... to uh, deal with these awards. And honestly, I think they should expand nominations for most categories like they have with movies. Um, yeah. Especially directing is another one they should expand because that is where you see the... Stunts. Well, directing is where you see an example of what non-gendered awards look like, right? Like there has been a thing about why are there no female you know, directors usually in the, right. the nominations. So it is there, but um, but I'd like to see it in the acting as well. So um, And yeah, I was just looking at my list and three of my top four are female performances. So... You know, it's. Um, I think it would be be valuable to do. Um, yeah. All right, there you go. There's our top performances of 2020. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, we will move on now to our best movie moments of 2020. Uh, this may be my favorite category. Sure, I love this talking. This is great. I always, it's just fun. I always love this. Because these movies are not ones... Uh, at least personally, uh, not many of them made my top ten, and I don't think many of these are also my in from my performance list either. Mm-hmm. This is these are just quirky little moments, and otherwise, 
some of them forgettable films. Uh, I, I will say before we move on, I think if we were doing a, a, a consensus choice, Chadwick is obviously that yeah, yeah, choice. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, all we all three that. had him right at the top of our list. And then probably Liz Moss uh, is the best female. Yeah. Um, so best movie moment. We'll play a little differently because we're going to uh, nominate uh, these movie moments. Um, and then we will uh, talk about picking one together. Now, I find it interesting. I actually listed 12 moments. Um, so I may mention some afterwards that we didn't get to just to kind of throw them out there. But five of them have already been mentioned by one of you two. <laughs> so All right. It's kind of one of those things. Uh, you know, uh, so let's let's go ahead and start the nomination process. We will go around five times and then uh, and then pick one. So, uh, Jonathan, what do you want to start with? Uh, let's see. My fifth favorite movie moment of 2020 was the 12 minute wonder from Extraction. Um, Aaron, you and I actually discussed this on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, like almost a full year ago now. It was like last March or so. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was great. I think, uh, generally speaking, um, Netflix action movies aren't always fantastic. They sometimes have a couple good premises, don't always execute. I think Extraction is a little better than the average, but that particular yeah. one-minute sequence, which obviously is stitched from like probably 12 or 15 different takes – just the fluidity of the movement and the excitement of like going up and down through cars over door like it was a lot of fun and I, I remember watching it kind of like all right this is fun and then like 35 seconds into it, I'm like oh wait a minute they're doing a- <laughs> yeah. I was so excited when yeah. I noticed what was happening I'm like they're doing a- they're doing a one shot yeah, yeah. Uh, I leaned forward I got into it and um, I I really loved it it was so much fun uh... after the fifteenth time they got hit by a car. Like man, this is brutal. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Andrew, did you uh, did you do yours in like a five to one, or did you do more of like a nomination kind of thing, like we did with the superlatives? I last? technically did a five to one, but I'm good with just talking. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, we can just we, we'll just continue to do kind of like a nomination thing. Feel free to rank them like as you do them. Yeah. That's that's fine. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go from five to one. Just okay, so I ranked it. I don't yeah. know if that was wrong or good. No, no, no. It's it. it's totally fine. Uh, what, do you, uh, this, what do you want to nominate? This movie is, uh, I don't know if either of you have seen it, uh, and it's definitely not going to get the win, but I'm going to go with Trigon versus Darkseid in Justice League Dark Apocalypse. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right over my head. <laughs> Guys, you all, uh, I, Aaron knows this, that I think that Flashpoint Paradox is the best DC animated oh, I see movie. Oh, I see the poster now. I, I must have yeah. heard you wrong. I am familiar yeah. with the DC animated universe. I've actually started yeah. at the beginning last year, and I've been watching oh. through. Um, I haven't got here yet. This is a newer release, but yeah. H- have you got to uh, Flashpoint Paradox yet? I haven't. No, I'm uh, like the thirteenth movie, which I think is just before they started yeah. the shared universe uh, mm-hmm. section of it. Um, well, Flashpoint was my favorite until Apocalypse War. Uh, this movie's just bonkers. It's so crazy, <laughs> and then seeing. Trigon versus Darkseid. As a DC fan, I never knew I needed this until it was happening in front of me. And I'm like, oh my god, it's an old god versus a new god. And it's so much fun. Uh, Yeah, it it was like made for me. It was beautiful. Very nice. Uh, My first nomination is going to be the first painting moment. From the movie The Painter and the Thief. Did either of you get a chance to see The Painter and the Thief? Okay. No. So I'll try to describe this without spoiling too much, although there's not a lot to spoil. This is a documentary about a a woman who's an artist 
who has her gallery broken into and a couple paintings stolen. And they know who did it. They catch them. They put them away. And instead of seeking any kind of revenge, she actually develops a friendship with one of the, uh, the people who stole the paintings. This moment mm-hmm. happens after he sees the first painting that she paints after they become friends. And I'm not going to give away what that painting is. I think it's part of the emotion, the power of that moment. Um, but it is a, an absolutely devastating moment of emotion, and it's so real. Again, this is a documentary, so this is camera catching real people in real situations. But, um, but I had to mention it. It was, it was definitely one of the most uh, impacting moments of, of the year for me. So that's the painter and the thief, the first painting uh, moment is what that is. So there you go. I have added it to my watch list. I will check it out. Uh, all right. What do you want to nominate next, Jonathan? Uh, the backwards forward uh, car chase from Tenet. Nice. That was that was super cool on the first run through. And then when we saw it again in, I guess, reverse, it was like, this is all making even more sense. I'm still very confused, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> um, there was There was so many moments in this film that visually worked so well. I didn't always understand how it was working or why certain things had to be mapped out that way. But I think the sensation was always like edge of your seat kind of thrill ride. And that car chase was just a very unique way to do things. Some cars running in reverse, actors literally driving, looking out the back window in some cases. Like, it was pretty cool. And I uh, I really liked it. I was One of mine that I was possibly thinking about nominating, and I'll just let this stand as the nominee, was the uh, building blowing up twice moment from yeah. uh, Tenet where it blows up in forward and reverse. A very similar, you know, kind of concept, but more kind of capsulated in a single moment um but uh but yeah i think this this works as well for kind of a a tenant idea you know just the whole idea of uh you know a a movie existing in forwards and reverse is just you know it's so it's so nolan Um, it's unique yeah (laughs) yeah uh andrew what do you want to nominate next uh number four i have the galloping van from onward (laughs) yeah i had that as one of my possible nominees as well yeah i mean it's just such a... I, I'm looking at my list now of best moments, and they're just moments that made me smile. Sure. You know, they're just like, oh, I, I, it just made me so happy. And it was... It's such a, a clever gag that I'm like, oh, I wish I would have seen that in another movie, but that is just brilliant. It just made me smile. Yeah. The van became a character in that movie. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't just a prop or a set piece. It, it the the van was a character, so seeing it gallop off was a kind of beautiful but also hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice. Uh I'm going to nominate uh the ending of the movie Another Round. Um now this again maybe one that you guys haven't had a chance to check out. Have not yet, so please don't spoil. Um so here's what happens at the end. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I will just say there's a joy and exuberance in the ending of this movie. Um, um, I think it's it's not a spoiler to say there's dancing involved, and I just did not see. uh, I I just did not expect this from Mickelson, and it's just so pure. There's a pureness about it um, that that I love, and uh, and will remember for a long, long time. So yeah, check out another round. Uh, It is it is definitely worth a watch. My, You're not uh, the only one to think so. Uh, the one Heath Bar also agrees with you that it's the best ending of the year. Oh, nice. Nice. There you go. I like uh, movies that stick the landing. That counts for a lot. This definitely does. 
literally to hear that. stick the landing. Yes. Uh, my third favorite moment is probably one you guys haven't seen. Um, it's a movie that came out recently called Shadow in the Cloud with Chloe Grace Moretz. Um, it is a completely bonkers, like horror, um, action, comedy, the confined location kind of script. And it, it's it's I cannot describe it. And I think for that reason alone, please watch it because it is so unique. It is so unlike most movies I've seen. And there is a sequence where Chloe Grace needs to climb on the underside of an airplane while it's in flight, just holding on to like rivets and handles while like, while it's flying. And she has to save um, an object uh, that's dangling before it falls. And it's sort of a high value thing and very personal to her. And I don't want to spoil any more than that. But it is such a crazy nail biting scene. And at the same time, it's like, this is impossible. This defies physics. It's sort of like a Fast and the Furious kind of feel to it. Like, this, none of this makes sense. They can't chase a submarine with cars. Chloe can't be climbing on the underside <laughs> of, a, of a plane like this. Um, it, it's bananas. It, it's so fun and thrilling and bizarre and funny. Um, and I had, a lot of, I had a lot of fun with this movie. Great. Uh, I have not seen that, but now you've got me interested. I've heard two reviews, and they both were very negative. So I, I kind of put I don't it know. aside. I loved it. I th- it. Maybe it was just the mood I was in, but like, it was such a weird, pulpy mash of like eight sure. different things. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I definitely can get on board with that. Uh, what do you want to uh, nominate next, Andrew, for your third nominee? The poking eye gag from The Croods 2. <laughs> this movie had me in stitches. I'm not going to lie. Uh, this is the funniest movie of the year. It's the funniest movie of the year, uh, and the poking eye gag that went throughout this movie just—I was almost crying in the theater. I was laughing so hard. I was laughing in the hard or laughing in the theater harder than all those like seven and eight-year-old kids that the parents took to see. Like I was the <laughs> one that was like tearing up that theater. I thought this movie's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. No, that's no, that's a funny moment. That's great. I love it. Great choice. A lot of fun. Um, let's see. What do I want to do for next? Let's do the uh, Rudy Giuliani moment from Borat, um, and I, <laughs> I I bring this up not because in you know in many ways like you were talking about things that gave you a smile or just like oh that's a crazy cool moment that kind of thing. This is just one of those where it's the best movie moment because of its impact, just like the the craziness of how newsworthy this moment was and how in the world did this happen? And I just like there's so much about this that is. Um, just astonishing that I think it has to be mentioned in this category as one of the I best I didn't movement. even consider it, and I'm, I feel like such a fool because you're absolutely right. <laughs> my jaw – I had heard about it going in, but my right. jaw was on the floor. Like, I cannot believe right. he agreed to this. And, like, how can you be so – oh, my gosh. He, yeah. was, he was like a whisker away from being the president 16 years ago, and now he's just yeah. completely embarrassed in a <laughs> straight-to-Netflix <laughs> mockumentary. <laughs> like – it, it's Unbelievable. It, it was something and it's definitely worth a mention so uh so yeah i think i'll nominate that for my third nominee what's your fourth nominee uh jonathan uh this one is maybe again a film you guys haven't seen it was a short 26 minute stand-up special from dave Chappelle called 846 he released it for free on youtube it was the i think technically the first concert of the entire uh post-pandemic year he held it i think in his backyard in ohio it was free for people in, in his neighborhood to visit and it's mostly him just um, frustratingly um, complaining about George uh, Floyd and the eight minutes and 46 seconds he had mm-hmm. someone's neck, uh, someone's knee on his neck 
while he died, begging for help. And Dave, uh, I think, is one of those people that rises to the moment and speaks to uh, the, the things we need to hear. And it was such an impassioned and an angry um, moment from him where he was just complaining, we need to let the streets speak for themselves. I'm not here to give my opinion. The streets will speak. And it was just like, I was blown away by the nice. power of that message and the emotion in his voice. Because you could tell, like, I am, he is tired of seeing this happen over and over again. Yeah. And it was just, if you're a fan of Dave Chappelle, you know that he has that ability to go into that well and pull out those threads that, like, really make you challenge everything we know about America. And this is one of those moments, like, wow. Yeah. He did no. it. Good choice. Good choice. Uh, Andrew, what are you nominating next? Uh, number two, I have the reverse fight in Tenant. Um, I guess you can count both sides of it. Uh, <laughs> so we all had different uh, forward reverse moments in Tenant. I, I yeah. had the building, you had the car chase, and you had the the fight. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I almost had the fight, or I almost had the building. I'll say this: yeah. I almost put the building, but I don't know how they did the fight. I don't know how they did it. How did they film that? Like that, you're, it, I am genuinely uh, com- confused by it because there's moments where he's very clearly falling in reverse and getting back up, but the other character yeah. isn't. Like how yeah. they didn't they didn't just roll the film backwards because one character no. is moving forward. Yeah, no, it they, was they, wild. they definitely shot it uh, both directions and then used yeah. some some editing tricks. Yeah, yeah, it, it was really it's crazy. Nice. But uh, yeah, that's it's up there for best movie moment. All right, there you go. Uh, let's see, what do I want to nominate next? Yeah, I'm going to do it. You already talked about this one. I'm going to nominate The Kiss in Freaky, um, uh, which uh, is just, it's one of those moments <laughs> where I, I think, and we already talked about this. It's like, this is something that would have been played for cringe laughs, um, you know, only. I you think know. that's what made it so effective for me is I right. expected them to go for a joke. Right. And they endearing. played it com- and they played it completely earnest and it was like, wow, this is actually kind of heartwarming. This is like a tender yeah. moment. Yeah, the the fact that they play it completely and again and, and no uh, pun intended except kind of the fact that they play it, play it completely straight uh, is is really interesting in this in this moment because I think that allows for a real beauty of understanding what love looks like no matter what the participants in the relationship look like. You know what I mean? And it's just, I I was kind of blown away by this moment. I remember we talked about it on the podcast, and I was just like, you know, this is something. It, it was definitely, it, it, it kind of almost felt like this deserves a better movie. <laughs> this moment right. is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was, so, it was sort of like it came out of a, a movie I wasn't expecting, that yeah. moment. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll nominate that. Uh, one more nominee each, I believe. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, what do you got? Um, the final concert in Bill and Ted Face the Music. Good choice. Um, I, I am a huge fan of that franchise, and I thought this trilogy ended on such like a perfect, sweet capstone. I literally cried at the end of this movie, and I was like, this, this movie's not that great. But there was something about the poignancy uh, and the unity of like everyone literally coming together and playing a song that I was like, that was really kind of sweet. I didn't think they were going to find a way like how do you actually unite the entire world like you can't that's the unanswerable question right at the heart yeah. of the last two movies and they didn't really answer it here it's kind of a cop-out but the way they did it uh it was just i thought it was really beautiful and i was literally moved to tears in a movie that like i had no expectations for um yeah. so i really liked it yep um decent choice andrew what is your final nominee 
Uh, it's got to be the one-shot birth from Pieces of a Woman. It's a good choice. It's, it's it's like the greatest opening to a movie ever, and the rest of the movie doesn't live up to it. <laughs> yeah. But it's 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 crazy because it's I've never or I've seen a few births working in a hospital, and this is just the most real thing ever. Uh, I think that they're giving great performances because it just seems so natural and even improvised, like the way that they're talking to each other and the way they're communicating. It almost feels like a different movie than the rest of the movie mm-hmm. because the rest of the movie does feel very scripted and like there's talking points and stuff like that. But this just seems so natural and it, it's crazy that it's, I'm sure there there's always hidden cuts, but the way that the mo- camera moves with the characters and the way that it just it's it's so captivating. Yeah. From the minute it starts to literally until you get to the title scene of Pieces of a Woman, you're just, you're just sucked in and you're just like, oh, I can't stop watching this. Yeah. Uh, great choice. Great choice. I clearly I- need to watch this movie because. Uh- this is another I one just watched the beginning. Slipped. I mean, I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, trigger warnings, trauma warnings. Like this is kind of one yeah. of those, you know. I'm fine. Don't I don't. You know, yeah. Don't no, I know. I. <laughs> I know. Six hundred fifty-five movies last year. I'll watch that anything. Maybe hearing my voice. I, you know, <laughs> that's just, fair. I just want to make sure. Uh, speaking of trauma, uh, my number one. Uh, I shouldn't say number one, but my final uh, nomination because I didn't rank these, but. My final nomination is for the restaurant scene in Invisible Man uh, for the movie moment of the year. Um, it's just so remind me again shocking. what happens in the restaurant scene. I, I, well, that, I don't that want description I mean, doesn't just, ring a bell. There's a knife. We'll say there's a knife. <laughs> okay. She's she's meeting her with her sister, right? Is it best friend or sister? Yeah. I think it's her sister. It was her sister. Yeah. And that's right. That's right. Okay. I got it now. Yeah. It took me a minute. I couldn't picture it in my head. I mean, yes. it has <laughs> yes. stuck with me because wow, yeah. There's there's just such yeah. a a um there's such a suddenness suddenness to the like bang bang nature of what happens there, and all of a sudden you are left with uh th- you know the the character just stunned by what's going on, yeah. and like it's just it's so well done, so well presented. Um, but I think one of the best movie moments um of the year. So, well, as by because like as it happens, you're like, wait, that didn't just happen, did it? Yeah. Wait, that happened. That really happened. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a shock. I, for I sure. remember now that I know what you're talking about because that didn't immediately ring a bell. I definitely remember rewatching it. I immediately backed it up. Like, wait, how did this happen? And how quickly? Mm-hmm. It just yeah. like it was. It was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Good. So before we kind of uh, have a little discussion about maybe what we want to pick as the best movie moment of the year, uh, did either of you have any other honorable mentions you wanted to throw out there? I have a couple that uh, I'll mention if you don't. I did not. No, I, I picked the five. That was it. Okay. I, I uh, think about it, but I don't. Levy knows how to talk to white people. Yeah. I thought that was really just that whole speech that he gives. Mm-hmm. That was um, one you had already mentioned, the, the Sam Cooke versus Malcolm X uh, yeah, the part of one one night in Miami is another one you mentioned that was in my list. Um, I'd like to throw out um, in Trial of Chicago Seven. Uh, uh, you were the first to ever accuse me of being racist. Uh, then I'd like to go on record as being the second. Yes, yeah, I had that I one too. That. Yeah, that was another yeah. one of mine. I, I loved, I loved the beat. Uh, with, I think it was Sasha Baron Cohen's character. Where he said, uh, "Hold on a minute, bud. I've never been policed for my thoughts." Or whatever. yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I've never been on trial for my thoughts before. That was really good. Yeah. Um, off the top of my head, I just watched. Didn't make my list. Um, 
because I had to submit them to you, Aaron, a couple of days ago, and I watched it just last night. Uh, David Byrne's American Utopia, a concert film from the former mm -hmm. uh, lead singer of the Talking Heads. Uh, visually stunning uh, from an auditory standpoint. If you love his music, it was so much fun. But they do a rendition of Burning Down the House in like marching band formation. All the instruments are untethered from the stage. They're all moving around. Uh, it looks great. It sounds great. And uh, that was so much fun. Like you have nice. to get up and dance when you watch one nice. of those. Speaking of dancing, I also had uh, possibly thought about um, the final dance scene in um, uh, what was? Oh, I'm thinking of ending Prom. things. Oh, yeah. Um, as well as the dance scene in Palm Springs. Uh, there's a there's a fun dance scene there too. So like there's yeah. this is a year for for great dance scenes. Um, and the uh, Joe playing the piano uh, into the zone in um, Soul was another moment uh, that stood out to me. Um, I'll just call it the fire moment in Minari uh, stood out to me. Um, in the tiny window moment in Mangrove uh, was was pretty Ooh, amazing too. Yeah. So yeah, I wanted to mention that one too. Uh, of our oh, of our nominees. Um, what are you guys thinking? Tenet. Anything we can kind of gather around and, and pick? I feel like Tenet, we all at least picked a scene from. Yeah, but different scenes. Yeah. And it's like, it'd be weird to give the best moment to Tenet for just being Tenet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I, but I, inherently, though, we all agreed that the, the, the qualifier that made them awesome was that unique sort of double yeah right but that's a concept I'm okay a moment, I'm okay with the right? building blowing up honestly because that was so close to being the one that I chose let me let me throw out a couple uh the Giuliano right. the Giuliani moment is is one that was wild that's, that's, <laughs> that's absolutely wild. you know possibly kind of raises above the rest um the, what about the birth in Pieces of a Woman? That's another one that, but I'm not sure Jonathan has has seen I that. I haven't seen it. Oh, so I'll, I'll oh, that one okay. Out. But if you guys, if you got the way you both spoke about it, um, uh, I mean, I'm we, fine with the building and tenant. Honestly, yeah, that was super cool. We could we could go yeah. with that. Um, I guess you're right. We all had tenant on our list. I think that probably makes the most sense. Uh, yeah. If we're going to kind of come to a conclusion, so we'll just say it: the building blows up twice. Intenant yeah. is the sifty moment of 2020. Um, no matter and how I'm you look, totally at it. all right with that. That's yeah. <laughs> all yeah, right, that was some super cool stuff in that film. It is the yeah. it and it is the one moment in movies this year that just was like I just I, I had that thing I love where it's just like you know the giddiness that you get while watching movies sometimes. And yeah. it's just like what just happened? You know, like yeah, it was pretty cool. I think it's I think it's the part in the movie where you're you're really even though it's the end of the movie, you're really getting a grasp on how the reverse time reversal works. So yeah. you're putting together in your mind, like you see in uh, uh, Bravo Squad and Alpha Squad, I think is what it is, or Blue Team and Red Team, I can't remember. But regardless, you see them, the reverse, about to do something while you're thinking about doing something. You're like, wait, are they really going to try and pull this off? And then you see it happen, and you're like, I don't know how this makes sense, but it's one of the coolest <laughs> things I've ever seen, you know? Yeah. Uh, all right. Before we head on to the best movies of the year, a big thank yes. you to our Sif Pop members. We appreciate you so much. Uh, your Sif Pop bonus uh, show is available for you to listen to. We talked about the crazy year of 2020 and the award season, how different it is. Um, so you can check that out there as well as what other fun perks you may have access to. If you've never looked at being a Sift Pop member, I'd encourage you to do so. Uh, check it out. 
and uh, and you might uh, enjoy some of the perks that come along with membership, or you might just want to support what goes on here. Uh, either way, it's a very humbling experience for us uh, to know you'll throw a couple bucks uh, our way each month, and means a lot to us. So check that out at Patreon, patreon.com slash siftpop. And thank you. All right, let's do it. Let's count down our favorite 10 movies of 2020. Um We'll start at number 10 and go to number one. I'll kick us off uh, and we'll go the opposite direction in honor of Tenet. We'll go in the reverse direction <laughs> now. Um, my number 10 is, uh, and you may think this might have been higher considering my top two performances were from this movie, uh, but this is where I have Ma Rainey's uh, Black Bottom. Um, great film. I think that's, that's fair, I think, on the note of performances. They were both brilliant, but I, fu- I felt like the movie structurally didn't quite right impress as much like I, right. I don't i can't describe it but i, I think you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's kind of like if you're you know uh eating a reese's peanut butter cup and you're a peanut butter person you know it's like you know the performances were the peanut butter but the encasing you know just isn't isn't your fa- <laughs> that was a horrible metaphor i apologize to my family to my friends uh to anyone for that it metaphor. reminds me of a movie uh, <laughs> at least for me personally it reminds me of something like uh american hustle which I thought had brilliant performances, right, yeah, but yeah. the movie—I don't even remember what it was about. Oh, the movie's um, garbage. <laughs> but I remember the performances were really good. Yeah, that, it'll happen. Sometimes. I'm not saying this was a garbage movie, but I didn't. No, my, no. Uh, but it is—it is my number ten. So there you go, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, worth a watch for sure. Uh, what do you got at number ten, Andrew? This is where I have the outpost. Um, like I said before, it's a harrowing story of soldiers trying to fight against uh, you know insurmountable odds, and it is. The fact that it's based on a true story and the fact that these, that what happened actually, you know, happened is, it's shocking and it's also uh, uh, very emotional and uh, makes you really just like, I can't believe these guys did this. Good for them. Okay. Uh, Number 10 for you, Jonathan. I have a documentary here, The Social Dilemma. Great choice. One of the only one of the a good documentary will make me change my life. And I immediately installed a digital wellness app on my phone to keep track of how often I use it. I set timers and grayscale modes to force me off my phone at night. Um, I was doing really great for a couple weeks after I watched this. It (laughs) transformed the way I thought about social media, and I think we're all aware of its uh, divisiveness and the way that it can sort of addict you. but this movie really delves into it on a psychological level and from just a technology, uh, technological level, speaking with some of the platform designers of Facebook. And I think they had the guy that originally started, was it MySpace or one of these old guard types? And the way they speak about their creation reminds me of like Dr. Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Like they're, yeah. they're aware, yeah. like we kind of want, we let Pandora out of the box and I don't know that we can put it back in. Um, if you use social media, if you're listening to this podcast, I have to assume you probably do in some respect. Check out the social dilemma; it'll it'll legitimately change the way you use your phone, at least for a while. <laughs> yeah, no, it did for it's me. Great. I I deleted. I was already off Facebook. I had already deleted Facebook before I saw this. But afterwards, uh, I deleted Instagram. Um, I deleted um, TikTok, which I think we mentioned either in the show or the yeah. pre-show. I can't remember. Um, I deleted every social media app except Twitter, and that's because I find real community benefit in Twitter for the movie stuff. Uh, see, for me, it's Twitter is the worst, and that's where the worst. I, I, I feel I get the most angry on Twitter. 
I get the most upset when I log in. It never helps my mental state, whereas mm-hmm. Instagram is okay. TikTok, I always leave feeling fun and refreshed. Um, Facebook, I generally don't go on besides to talk with family. I try to limit myself there. But yeah, this movie will get you to really yeah, think, so, like, what am I doing? Yeah, I, I, I just mentioned that because, yeah, and I changed the way my notification works. I turned off notifications for email. One of the the strangest. I never thought about doing that because I, I you know I like keeping a zero inbox. I like making sure that sure. I'm available, and I have found it so freeing to be able to check my email when I'm ready to check my email, and I'll deal with it then. And it hasn't you know ruined my productivity. It hasn't you know changed things, and it's allowed me to uh, be more proactive with my time and not to be staring at my phone all day. Uh, because every time a notification, you know, comes on, yeah, this, this, this is definitely one of those docs that changes the way you interact with your phone. And honestly, I don't think it's political to say with what we've been through in the last month, um, how, how much of that is due to social media just, and I don't even think it's political say the idea of, uh, Donald Trump not being able to post on social media absolutely changed the atmosphere of social media. It's like one of those, you Completely. know, yeah. it's so in just to know that a social media network has that much power over culture is what this documentary is about. It's, it's, it's alarming and it's concerning. Mm-hmm. And I read more than a few headlines last week that said there was like a, an 80% drop off in misinformation after Trump's Twitter suspension. Right. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's not surprising, but like, wow, that's, it, it is still surprising the amount of it. Right. That like doesn't exist when you kind of cut the head off the chicken, so to speak. Uh, but on the on the email thing, I did a, a similar move like over a year ago where I changed my inbox to only notify me of priority emails. So mm-hmm. only if it's from people in my contacts list. And it's just like, wow, my life is so less distracting. <laughs> yeah. It's can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Good choice. Good choice. Um so my number nine. Your number then? nine. Yeah. Uh, this is where I have onward. Uh, the first Pixar movie of a two Pixar year. Um, yeah, Onward is beautiful, fun, emotional, incredible casting, which I think really, honestly, when the when the history is told in, in years to come about the success of Pixar, I think casting will be towards the top of the reasons that Pixar has succeeded. Certainly storytelling, they understand that. But man, do they understand how to cast for the role and not for the, fa- you know, the famous name. Um, in this yeah. case, the main two characters are very famous names. They just happen to be. <laughs> but never once was I like, oh, that's Chris Pratt and Tom Holland. I was like, those are those characters. Those are those brothers. And this is what yeah. they're going through. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of fun in this movie and a lot of heart, which I, I, I completely agree. And I'm kind of upset that Onward got overshadowed by Soul mm-hmm. in a lot of year end conversations. Because I think personally, um, Soul is the better picture. And I will talk about it later. I know. Um, but Onward for me was like, that was a great film. One of Pixar's probably in their top mm-hmm. 10 or top 15, at least their top half. But I don't hear a lot of people talking about it because soul, it was just like so right. dominantly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we'll, sh- we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. Uh, number nine for you, Andrew. Uh, this is where I have Crude's A New Age. Nice. Funniest movie of the year. I absolutely love this pick from you and I need to go and watch <laughs> this movie. I mean... Yeah, I uh, you don't even need to see the first one. The first one's the most meh movie ever. Can you do but this? This one is. Can you do this whole uh, review in Punch Monkey? Can you? Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you. Oh yes, no, I agree. Yes, no, that's good. Mm. That's a good review. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm going to look up the crudes uh, on IMDb. That the Parent Guide. I, I don't know if you've used this before, Aaron. Your kids are grown up now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's great, and I don't know if this is a movie I can watch with my three-year-old daughter. But um, if I can, I will. It just depends on if you anything. want her to speak Punch Monkey. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> Oh yeah, that's a risk you're, you. Yeah, that's a risk you'll take. Decide if you're willing to take. Yeah, yeah. It, it's I, PG. We, we she's watched uh, plenty of PG stuff before, but uh, there's definitely some situations I'm like I'm not ready to explain this to you yet. But <laughs> ironically yes, we'll enough, there's uh, the there's Thunder sisters. <laughs> yeah, ironically enough, there's some uh, social media commentary in this uh, this one as yeah. well. <laughs> so yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah, uh, yeah. So Good choice. Go. Good choice. Number nine. Uh, number nine for you, Jonathan. Uh, Palm Springs this is a time loop concept that is a self-aware comedy. Um, and I loved the idea of a Groundhog Day movie where the people have probably seen Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, they kind of took that premise, Andy Samberg's perfect, um, and Christina uh, Melatoni, how do you pronounce her name? Melati. Yeah, Melatoni. I think it's uh, Melati. Right, you Milotti. both said it differently. No, I know. I think it's Melati. <laughs> Melody. Okay. Well, anyway, great chemistry. I thought they have a really good, like, witty, almost adversarial banter that makes this premise work because you want to see them succeed and they get to go through this time loop crisis together. And there's been a lot of Groundhog Day clones over the last Mm -hmm. 30 years. I think this one comes the closest, not to recapturing it, but to do something different with it. Yeah. And it it made it unique and it made it fun. And I was kind of... I wanted to keep exploring the possibilities that they had outlined in Palm Springs. And uh, there, there's favorite there's sure. another syllable in there. I think it's uh, Miliati, I think is what it is. Miliati. I think, yeah, I, I think I there's an I in there. It, yeah. <laughs> I think it's Krista Miliati, I think is, uh, okay. is how you would say it, but I could be wrong. The mom from How I Met Your Mother. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Uh, all right, number eight uh, is where I have Promising Young Woman. Um, really, really enjoyed this movie. Thought it was spectacular. And... Uh, and I'm excited for us to continue talking about it, maybe higher up on somebody else's list. So, yeah, this is this is a great film. <laughs> uh, what do you got at number eight, Andrew? Uh, this is where I have Onward. Just echo everything we've already said. Nice. Uh, Jonathan, what's your number eight? Streaming right along. Uh, never, rarely, sometimes, always. Uh, we talked a lot about um, uh, Cindy Flanagan's performance at the top of the show. Um, and just watch it. I think this is one of those really powerful movies that... Uh, Roger Ebert used to famously say that movies are a machine of empathy, and I think this is a perfect example of that. It puts you in somebody else's shoes for 95 minutes and lets you really experience the hardships that they're going through in a way that I I obviously could never connect with. I'm a guy. Um, But it it brings you into a world, into a situation that's frustrating to watch, but I think important to witness. Yeah. And uh, I really liked it. Good choice. Number sevens. Uh, My number seven is The Five Bloods. Um, again, we've talked a little bit about the performances in this. Uh, definitely worth the watch. Chadwick's in this one too, right? Isn't Chadwick yeah. Boseman in this one too? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So. I get it. I get it. I'll watch it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> really, I didn't really have it at number seven. I just wanted to make uh, Jonathan feel bad uh, yeah, about not having yeah, seen it right. again. Uh, I can't see everything. It's really great. It's definitely great. Uh, it's worth so a watch. so good. It's long. I will say that it's a sure. long movie. I think that's one reason why I haven't got around to it. It's always like, oh, it's 9.30. I don't have time to watch... I can mm-hmm. probably fit in an 89, 90-minute film right now. Right, right, right. And this has always been like two and a half hours tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Andrew, what do you got at uh, number seven? Uh, this is where I have Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. 
Speaking of Chadwick Boseman. Nice. I am a fan of plays being, you know, converted to where they are, you know, a film. Especially August Wilson. I mean, I love Fences and I love Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I mean, it, they they lend themselves so well to being told on the screen. It's just a... And I think that it's also a great opportunity for performers to really, you know flex how good they are uh, Denzel did it in Fences and I think both Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman do it here in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom good choice Jonathan num- agree. number seven. Oh, also Viola Davis was also in Fences wasn't she indeed she yeah. sure was won the Oscar for that I yep. believe yeah um, you might be a little upset with me Aaron but this is where I have soul I'm not upset uh, <laughs> I, I know I know you're going to have it very close to the top <laughs> uh, I oh it's going it. to be it's going to be his number one I did not completely. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, don't spoil it yet. I I didn't completely. Oh, was right? <laughs> love the ending of this movie. You're not alone. Um, You're not alone. But so much of the lead up and the exploration of the before life, I guess you can call it, mm-hmm. um, was so unique. It was inventive. The animation style was gorgeous. This is the best looking animated film ever made. And I don't even think there's a, a contest there. It may also um, be the best score ever in an animated film. The score in this it, movie it, is Everything about this movie yeah. was, was gorgeous and beautiful. <clears throat> I think some of the, like the cat switching body stuff was mm-hmm. a little, a little goofy and it took me out of what was otherwise like a really poignant and serious narrative up until then. But besides some minor nitpicks, this was one of my favorite Pixar movies. I think in the last, probably since like Toy Story three. No, that was too long ago. Yeah, movie. I don't know. It was really good. Like top five Pixar for me. Yep, we'll talk about it more uh, coming up at some point. You know, maybe number one. You don't know. <laughs> Is there air? You don't know. Um, all right, let's... what's on your shelf? Oh, <laughs> uh, Galaxy Quest is going to be my number one pick for 2020. <laughs> it should be. It should be. Yeah. Uh, think number six. Right, we're on to our number sixes. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Uh, my number six is Mank. This is where I have Mank. And we haven't talked about Mank yet. It didn't come up we in the have performance. Not. Didn't come up, up in the movie moments. Um, but I really enjoyed this movie. And a lot of that has to do with the rat-a-tat-tat nature of the dialogue, uh, of a lot of what's happening here. And um, a lot of that has to do with the production value of this movie and choosing to actually create a movie that looks like it was made in the era that it's, you know, presenting. And that yeah. that doesn't just go for it being in black and white. This isn't a simple matter of switching it from color to black and white. This is a matter of how the audio was captured, how the video was actually captured, uh, the way the scene changes were done, the way the cutting yeah, they was literally done. Resto- they did the, the cigarette burns in the corner. Mm-hmm. They literally yep. reincorporated fake yeah, yeah. Real changes. So uh, I was, yeah, I was very impressed with this movie all around, and it's definitely one of my favorites of the year. So that's my number. What do we say? Six. Six. Number six. Six. Yeah. There you go. What do you got, Andrew? Uh, this is where I have a Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Oh, it's okay. right on. It's crazy. It, it. I love a DC movie that isn't afraid to um, uh, make the heroes not immortal. There's so many of those, uh, you know, animated movies like, oh, yeah, well, you know, the heroes are going to make it out alive. Not this one. You don't know, Jack. <laughs> I mean, a lot I think that's of people. That's, could... been really, that's something that's been really cool with having watched through the first dozen or so DC animated films is because yeah. they're all in their own unique canon, they can kind of do whatever they want. 
And it's like, yeah. in this episode, uh, Superman is Russian. It's like, let's just play with that idea. Oh, yeah, Red War. And, and, That's a and good there's one. some really cool concepts in the movies that if yeah. you are a comic nerd, uh, yeah, take a deep dive. Because they've got, what, this is like the 41st? Uh, it's something like that. They're not all winners. 40, they've, they've done, yeah, certainly not. Um, yeah. But, yeah, they have a bunch. Yeah. I'm glad this is the best. It. This is the best out of all of them. And it, I was surprised. I didn't think it. anything was ever going to beat Flashpoint Paradox, but Justice League Apocalypse War is that crazy to where you're like, wow. Very nice. Jonathan, what do you got at uh, number six? Number uh, Promising Young Woman. Um, we've already talked about um, uh, Carrie Mulligan's performance. This was a really unique movie. Um, and when we talk about movies sticking the landing, this is one that I was like applauding at the end. Like, yeah. yes, this is great. I am there on are some board people that don't like it, though. There are some people that, you know, have issues with the ending of this movie. But uh, I and I completely understand why they might. But for me, this movie took chances and they paid exactly. off. Exactly. And I and I loved that. I so much of this I didn't see coming. I not only did I think it was a different genre. I was just like, OK, this is not what I expected. But like, OK, this is going in a direction completely different yeah uh i I don't want to spoil it a lot but like just go in watch it enjoy it it is different it is fun and uh cathartic is probably a good word to describe it too there's definitely a a bit of catharsis when you watch sort of bad people have bad things happen to them it's like good (laughs) i like this woman (laughs) a little love come up and a little shot yeah absolutely a little shot and freud going on uh yeah we haven't talked about bo burnham uh, in this movie at all. He's great. He's great. Yeah. So um, I wanted to, to shout him out as well. Um, all right. So I think that brings us to number five. We're into our top five. Top five. Um, my number five is Palm Springs. This is where I have. Hey, uh, me too. The, oh, nice. Hey, well, look at right. that. I, I wasn't sure if you guys were going to throw it in your top ten at all, but uh, I'm glad to hear you had it. Uh, oh, it's great. Oh, it's, I love this movie. It is uh, fantastic. And the the time loop genre as it is now. Uh, was is. not something I saw coming, and it is. I'm so glad it it has, because there's so much to mine there. And this movie really mines it in some interesting ways. And the two person time loop um, is fresh. The yes, I don't think there's has there ever been a biggest... time loop movie with more than one person. No. Well, I don't know that. I who knows? Maybe maybe there has been some sort of that we don't know about, or but not, as far as the major ones. That I'm thinking of, um, yeah. No, I, I, I don't uh, remember one, but, but yes, it is and, definitely a freshness. And they're not thrown into the time loop at the same time, you know. It's like right. It's one of them is vastly more experienced, I guess is the best word, in the time loop than the yeah. other one, and you get to experience the. Uh, with that other person you know you get to like learn as they learn from this person who's been there done that trillions of times this movie is kind of like if they made a sequel to groundhog day where instead of going to february 3rd andy mcdowell got sucked into february 2nd Mm -hmm. and it's like now we get to watch the entire movie from her perspective with bill murray as her like chaperone and that is the premise of this movie and it's so interesting like okay so you've already done this like for a thousand years but I'm just looping for the first time, and that yeah. that entire idea I th- it was just so fun. Well, and, the, and we haven't even mentioned J.K. Simmons and how right. funny he is. Right, he's great. Yeah, <laughs> and the reason uh, this kind of goes next level for me though is how much this works thematically. How much this movie works as an idea about relationships and marriage and 
the idea of um, you know needing something new, uh, being stuck in a you know a rut, um, and all those kind of things, and how it deals with commitment, and it's just I I am really struck by how smart this movie is, not just sci-fi wise. Yeah. but also philosophical. And that's one of the reasons I love Groundhog Day so much. Groundhog Day is a Absolutely. very philosophical movie. It is very much about, you know, those themes. Well, people have written 20-page so. theses on Groundhog Day. Right. And I think and Palm it, Springs has that same thing. I think Palm <laughs> yeah, Springs has yeah, that sure. same thing going for it. And, uh, yeah, I, I really dig it. Uh, in the chat, somebody mentioned uh, Russian Doll on Netflix, uh, which is is a multi-person time loop show. Um, and yeah. Phil has corrected us that um, oh, in Mickey's, Mickey's Once, Once Upon a Christmas, Christmas <laughs> Huey, Dewey, and Louie must all repeat Christmas Day together. So that is a multiple-person, multiple duck movie uh, <laughs> yeah. time loop. So, yeah. And uh, also, is that, uh, they should we have named, even... Wait, they should have named that movie Duck, Duck, Loops. That's a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That is such a missed opportunity. Come on. That is that has an A plus dad joke. Thank you, my friend. thank you. Yeah. That's what I'm well here for. done. <laughs> uh, uh, with Edge of Tomorrow, they're not looping at the same time. Correct. She's looping, and then she stops looping before him. Correct. Right. But, there's, um, there's a little bit of that in Russian uh, Doll too. They they're kind of not yeah. necessarily connected in the same way that this one is. Duck, but yeah, duck loops. That's yeah. too good. <laughs> but but with Palm Springs, uh, I don't think we've mentioned really having to wake up and relive one of the worst decisions of your life day yeah. after day after day. Yeah. That's what elevates that movie. It's not just a random day that is meaningless to somebody. This day is like a day that you would remember forever. And the metaphorical like element of that, of like what that means to like wake up knowing you've done something mm-hmm. truly terrible and having to do that day after day. Oh, that's yeah. just such smart writing. It's such smart it writing. It really is. It really is genius stuff. Uh, I think that means we go to your number five, Jonathan. Uh, Tenant. Nice. And we don't really need to discuss much more of it. We've talked about it a lot uh, today. Sure. Uh, just that it was, I didn't understand all of it, but what I did understand I thought was really clever. And I think just visually and from an emotional uh, sort of uh, angle, I enjoyed so much of what it was trying to do, even if it didn't always make sense. And I think it's more important how a movie makes you feel uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. And this one made me feel good things. <laughs> yeah. I've, yeah. yeah I, I've often talked about how understanding what somebody prioritizes in their storytelling is really the key to understanding what kind of films they're going to enjoy. You know, there are different parts of what it means to be a human. And, um, you know, if somebody like for me, if you've listened to how I review movies and, and what I end up liking, you know that it's almost always going to have to do with my mind. It's almost always going to have to do with the philosophy, the themes, the message. Like, that's just how I work. That's what I prioritize. Um, and so, but for some people, it's the excitement. It's the joy. It's the gut. You know, it's the... That's, that's probably me. If yeah, I had to sure. Put a, sure. If I had to put myself in a bucket, absolutely. And then then for some people, it's the emotion. It's the heart. It's the, you know, oh, I'm, I'm you know, feeling deeply and, and those kind of things. Yeah, and, sure. So, yeah, we're all different, and I think that's that's why it's so fun and valuable to talk about this stuff. Um, all right, number four. Number four. My number four is The Trial of the Chicago 7, um, and I really enjoyed this. Uh, listen, we've talked many times. Sorkin has my number. I just love the way he writes, uh, and not necessarily think he's an incredible director, but I think he's really getting there. He's an incredible and, writer, yeah. and that goes a long way. And that does go a long way, so... Um, so yeah, Trial of Chicago 7 is my number four. Andrew, what's your number four? 
This is where I have Defy Bloods. Um, it would have been higher if the movie wasn't so long, if they could have found a way to trim it down. But at the same time, uh, you're talking about how uh, you guys are driven by like performances and metaphors and emotions, stuff like that. I'm driven by performances. Like If I see a great performance, that really elevates a movie for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously Delroy is the best. Um, but there's a lot going on in this movie Maybe too much, but at the same time, what is going on is so powerful that it, it, it captivates you for the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it's also the best way to start a movie and introduce a bunch of characters. <laughs> the way that they all meet. I, I will that, watch uh, it tonight. I'm going to watch it tonight. <laughs> Fine. He's convinced. I am convinced. Yeah. Uh, number four, Jonathan, what do you got? Uh, Borat subsequent movie film, oh. which I know you both didn't really like. No. Uh, nah. For me... For me, this was, I think, the funniest movie of the year that I saw. Um, maybe it's just because at this point in my life, I'm just like an unashamed liberal. So I connected with the <laughs> politics, at least. Sure. Uh, probably stronger than you guys might have. But just the, the execution and the gags and the absolute absurdity of some of these gimmicks to go into these locations, dressed as these characters, get up on stages, put yourself in bodily harm, and still make it really funny and poignant and on the flip side, you feature some of these uh, uh, Trump voters and, and uh, Republicans in a way that's humanizing. He's not necessarily just always dogging on them. He's trying to say, like, we're more alike than we're different. And I kind of loved that unifying message to it. And without spoiling the ending, everything kind of gets wrapped up in a really nice bow at the end. It really does. It's and my a, favorite part of the a, movie. And it's just, I was like, oh my gosh, what? Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. It was so, it was such a neat twist mm-hmm. in a movie that does not need one at all. They, they could have just cut to black like yeah. Monty Python. Like, it didn't yeah. matter. Oh, Usual uh, Suspects. Was, awesome. <laughs> yeah. It, like, but there was something so cool about that connective twist ending. Um, and I have to hand it to, for, to Sasha for, for managing to bring this character back. Uh, I think when we needed him most in, a, in such a turbulent election year when everyone was at each other's throats. And he found a way to make it interesting and funny, and I loved it. Yeah, um, I'll just say the things I don't like about this movie have nothing to do with politics. Um, but you know, there's just there yeah. there's just so much in this movie that feels um, it just feels very basic at times. And and cringe humor is not my favorite kind of humor either. And that's, there's that's me. There's I don't like cringe humor. Obviously, this is a cringe humor movie. It's meant to be. That there's, is what the movie is. That's what the movie's and trying to do. I'm not always a fan, but there's moments in here that I I had to pause the movie because I yeah. couldn't hear the sure. dialogue. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. That's fun. Uh on to our number 3s. I will kick us off. My number 3 is One Night in Miami. Um I absolutely love this movie. I adore this movie. It is in my top 200 movies of all time uh, now. Oh, wow. So, in fact, my top three, as should be indicated, uh, from this year, all made my top 200 of all time list. Um, so, uh, yeah, it is it is fabulous stuff going on here. It is everything I wanted Ma Rainey to be, like as a play coming to the screen. There's something so um, compelling about these conversations they're having and the way they're having them. Um, that I never once thought that it was too claustrophobic or, you know, oh, I could feel this is obviously a stage play, not a movie. And I had those thoughts during Ma Rainey. As much as I love that movie, it made my list. But, you know, um, as far as like a stage to screen kind of thing, man, this movie nails it. Uh, so, yeah, One Night in Miami is on my a, number On three. a one to ten scale, are we into the tens territory yet? This this would be in the nines territory for me. I think Still I, nines. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a – I gave it a four and a half – 
uh, out of five on uh, on Letterbox. I kind of just dis- I don't have a I don't have a personal top two hundred, but I've given I want to say I can actually just tell you right now, I've given out um, something like one hundred and thirty five tens over mm-hmm. the years. Yeah. Um, so my next two movies will both be I guess in my technical top two hundred. Yeah, it is. Uh, that's about where I'm at too. Honestly, when I look at look at uh, yeah, I just I consider fives to be like transcendent favorites, like, and then four and a halfs are are all time favorites. So yeah, yeah sure. that's that's kind of how I I kind of distinguish those two. And fours are still great movies, you know. Um, oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So sure. that's kind of how I I rank that. But yeah, one night in Miami is fabulous. Uh, what do you got at number three, Andrew? Uh, Tenet. Uh, it's stellar. It's unlike any other movie out there. I will say, out of all of Nolan's movies, I think this is the least accessible. Even even after multiple viewings, uh, it's it's still confusing. But that doesn't take away your overall like how you're enamored with this movie. Just like you can't look away. You want you want to understand it because you think you know what's happening is brilliant, and it's just. Not semantics, but it's just the minute details that you're just not really all of that uh, uh, picking up or grasping. But as far as like the overall story and the overall themes of the movie, that all still makes sense. It's just the, I guess you could say, the science behind it all. You you want to understand more. But I think performances are great. I think that uh, obviously the effects are unlike anything I've ever seen. It's it's a really good movie. Yeah. Totally agree. I, I remember I wrote, it was probably on, after Dunkirk came out, uh, I remember writing that of the mainstream blockbuster directors working today, uh, Chris Nolan, at least for my money, is the smartest of the bunch. And he makes movies that are really complex and smart and they challenge you, especially he plays with time really well. In Dunkirk, yeah. he had three parallel timelines, but they were on different timescales. Mm-hmm. Tom Hardy's entire plot happens over an hour, whereas The Beach happens over like three days. Mm-hmm. But they're cut together at the same rate. And he kind of he just loves to throw in unique concepts in a way that is borderline accessible. And Tenet, I think, maybe goes a little too far into the complicated. Yeah. But yeah, I I totally with you. This is like a top five movie for sure. Yeah. Uh, what do you got at number three, Mr. Paul? Uh, my number three is The Invisible Man. Hmm. Uh, we spoke a lot about it already. Uh, Elizabeth Moss's performance is a big reason why I loved it. But I think it, there was just some really cool uh, visuals in this. It was genuinely uh, scary and thrilling. And, um, yeah, this was this was great. Good choice. All right. On to our uh, final two. And I will continue the conversation about Tenet. Uh, it is my number two movie of the year. <laughs> um, yeah. I uh, Obviously, I just talked about the fact that if you want me to like a movie, activate my brain. And, boy, does sure. this movie activate your brain. And <laughs> How many times have you guys seen it? Uh, I have seen it three Four. times now. I've Four. only seen it the once, so I'm clearly I mm. probably should give it another try. I'll say this: I, even I only had it at number viewings, five. I'm still confused. <laughs> I only had it at number five, so perhaps on a rewatch, I'll appreciate some of the exposition because I'll understand it. Right? Yes. Make sure you get your subtitles on. Um, always, always. No, I feel like I do. I feel like the first time I actually understood quite a bit. Um, I, yeah. I wasn't able to. I think I understood structurally everything that was going on. I don't think I understood specifically how things worked, you know, the sure, especially right. the long 
the the longness of some of the reversal slash straightforward thing. The idea that you would be yeah. going in reverse for 15 years to be able to do something. Some of these things require going in reverse yeah. for, you know, uh, decades, right? Like the, some of the things that they're setting up here. And so processing through that is a little more intense. Uh, processing through the car chase, I didn't quite get completely the first time. I think I get it now. I think I kind of understand... Who's leaving when, quote unquote, when, how they're getting there, how the information is transferred. There's some really brilliant stuff with that car chase scene about um, where the object is and who knows what information and how they get that information. Because you have to remember that he is, uh, Kenneth Branagh is in the uh, inverse time when he's getting that information so that he can continue to go backwards to intercept. Uh, this thing it's just in how that is transferred from person to person um, it's it's really intensely complicated but I think it makes sense and that's when I come back to this movie I was the the second time I was very curious if I if, if like holes would just start to form in my brain as I watched it again and they, <laughs> and they just don't they just don't they may be there like if you like really do the calculate like there may be some holes there but I I haven't found them yet. You know what I mean? So it's the only yeah. the only criticism I've heard of the movie that that rang true, but I didn't necessarily care about, is the sort of emotional stakes at the relationship at the heart of this movie mm-hmm. uh, with John Washington and I forget the the lead female's name, but they Elizabeth don't Elizabeth Debicki. Uh, that there is this really strong motivation for him that's unearned because we don't really know why is he risking everything for a woman he just kind of met. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree to an extent, but I don't know that I really care. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I but that, that. that for me was the only maybe the, the only blemish really was yeah. that the relationship didn't really carry the weight. Yeah. Yep. Anyhow, love it. That's my number two. What do you got, Andrew? Number two, I got Trial of the Chicago Seven. Nice. It's captivating. I love Aaron Sorkin. I think his writing is brilliant. There's not a lot of walkie-talkie in this movie. I'll say that. Sure. Um, <laughs> so good on you for that. Um, a lot of a lot of city talkie. A lot of city talkie. Yeah. Uh, I think all these characters are great. Sasha Bear Cohen, Frank Langella, uh, Mark Rylance. I love Mark Rylance in this movie. It's it's a very subtle performance, but it's it's uh, it's definitely powerful. Uh, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think yeah, everybody's good. Everybody's good. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I talked about it a little bit already. Uh, definitely enjoy that yep. movie too. Uh, what's your number two, Jonathan? Sound of Metal. This great. one I, I mentioned earlier uh, for a lot of reasons. I think emotionally it really worked. I, I think uh, from a performance standpoint, Riz was absolutely pitch perfect, pun intended. And I think just the, the the concept of framing addiction recovery as getting over the loss of one of your senses is such mm-hmm. a, a like a ballsy and unique way to do it. And more importantly, it frames that in a way that most people can understand. Because um, not everyone has dealt with addiction personally. Uh, hopefully most people don't have to. But this is like, okay, what if you lost your sense of hearing as a musician? You can relate to how terrifying that would be. Your entire future is gone now. And how much would you do to get that back? And I think the the way that it frames all of those conversations and thoughts was done so beautifully uh, my wife and I just watched it this week, and we loved it. It was uh, definitely a big recommend for me. Nice. All right, on to our number one movies of the year. And yes, of course, my number num- number one movie of 2020 is Hubie Halloween. Um, yep. I <laughs> love this movie so much. Adam Sandler yeah. is just incredible <laughs> in it. Um, 
No, of course, June like, Squibb. <laughs> June is... Squibb, just amazing. The t-shirt, uh, the t-shirt yeah. game in Hubie Halloween yeah. is just on point. Uh, Soul, of course, is my uh, number one. Um, uh, and I admit all my biases and still believe maybe this is the best movie of the year, even uh, without my biases. Uh, it is incredible in so many different ways. The o- Literally, the only thing I have heard uh, negative from people is how it ends. And that is the, the common refrain from people who say, well, maybe it's not that good, is the ending doesn't make sense or the ending should have been different. They should have done this at the end, not this at the end, that kind of thing. And I completely disagree. I think the end is perfect. I think it's the only way to end this movie and really say what this movie wants to say um, and to do it in a way that feels um, joyful, which I think is important. And maybe that's not important to some people. I think there, there are some ways to end this movie that are a little more morose um, and that's okay. And maybe that works better for some people. But uh, I think, and also because I've heard the discussions of why they chose to end this way, um, I, I just think there is a, uh, they definitely considered the endings that you think would be better. They definitely considered those. And at the end of the day, um, decided to go this route. And I think they made, made a good call. But other than that, just the performances are perfect. Again, speaking about casting, the casting in this is absolutely astonishing. Um, it's fun. I know you also mentioned Jonathan, uh, slightly that it gets a little too comedic for you with the cat stuff or goofy, I think was the, the word you I used. was when, when they, when they went down that route, I was really worried. Like, I hope they don't do this for the rest of the film. And they didn't. And, and they didn't, thankfully. Uh, had they, I think I would have disliked it more. Yeah. Um, but certainly it, it so much of that worked emotionally for me. And then they kind of take this pivot to let's kind of do a goofy, body swap comedy where he's trying to eat pizza for the first time mm-hmm. and it's all right this is fun and I, and I like it and i'm sure kids appreciate it but it thematically felt like they kind of lost lost focus for a bit but again it, a minor quibble in a movie i was like my seventh favorite of the sure, year. sure sure and I, I think it's pretty in character with what the movie has done previously with um, the Tina Fey character, you know, whether it be in the time yeah. before or whatever, you know, there's very much a goofball nature to that character throughout. And there's an importance there, too, to what that's saying about, uh, you mentioned the pizza eating, that kind of stuff, about the theme of the movie and about what what puts value into life. You know, what? how do we define yeah. ourselves? Where is value? Um, it took me a bit to figure out that theme the moral mm-hmm. at the because at the very end there's a shot where you just see a close-up of a mm-hmm. of uh, leaves in the in a tree sort mm-hmm. of swaying in the breeze and I, I literally didn't get it and then and when the credits rolled i was like oh wait now i do <laughs> yeah and i instantly was like oh my gosh i love the message of this yeah it is a really beautiful and it message. was it's really powerful it's great yeah um so yes that of course is my number one what do you got andrew uh kemp powers wrote a uh, soul Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, my number one movie was also written by Kemp Powers. You had quite a year, man. Yeah, One Night in Miami. Yeah, yeah. That's um, something. I, I like. I when I realized that the same person was responsible for two of my top three movies of the year, like I was just like, yeah. "Bring me more Kemp Powers, please." Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, whew, I love those are two very different movies. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, One Night in Miami, it might crack my top 100 movies of all time. Uh, I mean, every single performance is stellar. The Sam Cooke, Malcolm X stuff is brilliant. Also, the Jim Brown and Cassius Clay before he became Muhammad Ali stuff is great. Everybody 
it, it, here's the thing about this movie for me. It didn't feel like I was watching a movie. It felt like I was literally transported inside that motel room mm-hmm. and I was watching a historical act take place. Right. Like, I felt like I was watching these four guys sit down and talk about life, love, where they see their future going, uh, what they think that their responsibilities as black men are, seeing all this stuff. And I'm like, I... At parts of it, I'm like, I don't know if I, I should be watching this. Like, it seems like a really personal thing, you sure. know. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I can't stop watching. Like, I want to know, like, who these, these are all four of the like, some of the most famous people of all time, and getting to see behind the curtains, so to speak, of who these people really were. Uh, when they weren't in front of the camera or something like especially seeing uh muhammad ali cassius clay seeing him like you know not be the uh the performer that he is you know like whenever he's just behind the curtains and like behind those closed doors and being himself i felt like wow i'm really getting to see this insightful look into who these guys were i can't say enough good things about this movie. It's probably going to crack my top 100. I am so happy you loved it. We haven't really had a chance to, to talk about it. I know I, I had mentioned it on yeah. the podcast before how much I loved it, and uh, I'm really excited that it's your like favorite movie of 2020. That's that's really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we will... We, we may repeat ourselves just a little bit next week uh, when we review this in full, but it is not a movie I wanted to... <laughs> it's not a movie I wanted to leave off the table for a full review. It's definitely one I want to oh, kind of yeah. get in the... Um, in the record book, so to speak. So, um, so yeah, one night in Miami is, is it's that good. Uh, Jonathan, what's yeah. your number one? Uh, a bit of a cheat as I think, um, uh, Andrew, you might've described it as a filmed play, but, uh, Hamilton is my favorite movie of 2020. Mm. Um, now this is a great it, time to, to talk about this. Um, before you kind of get into it, I did not consider it as uh, a movie. If I had, it probably, I almost certainly would have made my top 10, probably in the top five. Um, and there are, we're going to talk about the overall rankings. There were many of our, uh, pop contributors who did consider it a movie, many who didn't. I let everybody have that individual choice for themselves. So we'll see how sure. that all works out, but I'm glad that, that you did. And that we're talking about it as your number one, cause it is that good. It, it's so good. And my wife was obsessed with the, the soundtrack when it came out, what, five, six years ago. And uh, I listened to parts of it, and I thought it was pretty catchy. I loved the sound and the style and the pace and the speed of this sort of musical dialogue. But actually seeing it uh, play out in real time, like the literal genius of Lin-Manuel, is just like a tour de force of of writing. And uh, the performances here are, are excellent, but I think just the musical speed and... The way everything just hits you constantly, beat after beat, song after song, it's fun, it's educational, it's moving, it's emotional. Uh, there are so many moments in this that I'll remember for a long time, and it was one of the things I wanted to almost stand up and applaud when it was finished. Um, but just brilliant, through and through, such a, a, a fantastic uh, play, film, story, whatever you want to call it. Um, I adored it, and uh, my wife was pleased because she had already sort of placed it pretty high up <laughs> yeah. before we I'm with, watched uh, it. I'm with John on this. The first time I saw it was actually when Disney released it on uh, Disney+. Plus. That's the first time I actually saw it. Uh, I was blown away by Philippa Sue. A, she might have the yeah. greatest singing voice of all time, but also I think that she is possibly the main uh, role in this in this play. It, like, I mean, it, it is. All, 
Yeah, it's like you think it's going to be about Hamilton, but really, like by the end it's of this, you're like, one. oh no, it's about well how she deals with him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's such a, it was such a great twist that I did not see coming at all. Yep, uh, I've spoken about my love of Hamilton many times. I did get a chance to see it uh, in Chicago, um, and in fact, the Hamilton that I saw in Chicago is now the well, not now because. Nobody's on Broadway yeah, right, right now, but is is <laughs> current, quote unquote, currently the Hamilton on uh, Broadway, um, and uh, so yeah, we saw a really great uh, performance of it, and I did get a but chance it, it, to stand up it, and applaud at the end. Uh, <laughs> I bet I'm very jealous you got a chance to see it. Yeah. Um, I mean, at this point, I think everyone has either heard it or, or hopefully has seen it if they've wanted to, um, but I can't understate like how different and transformative this is from a piece of medium. Like yeah. it is just so unique and so wholly different than like every other play that's come before every other musical that's come before and it there must be like three thousand words a minute uh, sung in this film and every one of them works like perfectly that that uh get your right hand man back stuff is uh is just incredible i mean the whole thing's incredible and there, there's moment after moment of layered stuff in this yeah. where themes will come back musically lyrics will come back and mean something different in a different song um he's just he's you use the word genius it is a word that is overused but it is not a word incorrectly used with lin manuel he he truly that is, is exhibiting genius in what he does uh in in this writing so yeah um yeah i have no problem with that number one at all well there Even you go even if it's a little bit of one you're not the only one uh that did that let's get to it uh we like to finish it off with our top official top movies of 2020 from the entire sif pop crew this includes writers at sifpop.com it includes uh gurus guest gurus on the podcast Uh, we had 29 contributors to this list this year that is the most we've ever had uh thank you to all who got their top five in everybody got their top five in they were uh given points based on where they fell so anybody's number one got five points anybody's number two got four points uh in that way uh in order to make the official list you had to be mentioned twice um, and this year, 22 movies were mentioned at least twice. Uh, so there will be an official top 22 that's, this that's year. That's actually kind of incredible. So we had 29 times five, which is what, 145 different movies? Mm-hmm. If I'm yes. not right? It is, correct. And, but, only, but, but only 22 of them mentioned twice. There were a total of 57 movies mentioned um, uh, that were sent unique in by movies. our okay. unique entries. Um and some really great movies will not get mentioned. You know, movies that we haven't talked about, like Nomadland, um, you know, is is definitely an amazing movie. Got Only got mentioned once uh, by one person. Um, First Cow is, you know, obviously a great movie, Andrew uh, has said many, many times. How <laughs> much he loves First Cow. Only got mentioned by one person. Um, somebody mentioned The Painter and the Thief that I talked about earlier. So there are all these, these great movies that did make people's list, um, but not the official Top 22 for Sif Pop in 2020. So how it works is you have to be mentioned twice, and it goes by points first. And then if there's a tie in points, uh, it goes by the number of people who mentioned that movie. So if it's a tie in points, but three people mentioned one movie and two mentioned another, uh, that breaks the tie. If there is still a tie, it goes by the highest it charted on anybody's list. So if a movie was 
number one on somebody's list and the movie it tied with only got up to number two on somebody's list then the movie that scored number one will get uh the nod even with three tiebreakers there are still two ties in this list uh they are both towards the bottom of the list and we will start it off at number 22 tied actually for number 21 uh two movies tied for number 21 and that would be borat subsequent movie film and mank uh, coming right. in at tied for 22 or two 21. very similar movies yeah very similar uh, both mentioned by two people <laughs> and uh, and as is our number 20 movie of the year which is Emma Emma comes in at number okay. 20 uh, mentioned by two different people uh, number 19 mentioned by three different people is King of Staten Island coming in at number 19 on the official safety list Nice. Uh, on to number s- tied for 17. Two movies tied for 17. This is our other tie. Uh, this was Uncle Frank in Ma Rainey, uh, both tied wow. at number 17. And I think some of that has to do with uh, the ability of, people, of people to see, see it. it. Um, yeah. Could be. Um, but yeah, so that that's tied for number 17. No more ties as we count down the top 16. In at number 16, maybe a little bit of surprise, Ben Affleck in The Way Back. Did either of you guys see The Way Back? I did, and I really liked I it. I did too. I, I have no problem with this I, being on the list. I remember liking it, but I don't remember much. <laughs> I, uh, I, remember, I remember his performance, you know, and his dealing with uh, alcoholism and stuff. And I know that's what Ben Affleck actually has been public about dealing with mm-hmm. in real life. I'm like, wow, that's actually... A really personal movie then, so... Yeah, yeah. So, uh, The Way Back comes in at number 16. Three people mentioned that. Uh, In at number 15 is Another Round. Uh, I uh, spoke a little bit about this one with Mads Mikkelsen um, in the best movie moments of the year. Uh, A couple people mentioned this one. Three people mentioned our number 14. It is Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, which we've spoken a little bit uh, about on the show. That comes in at number 14. Number 13 is Minari. Um, which, of course, we had a few uh, moments to talk about Minari on the show. That is in at number 13. Three people mentioning that. Uh, four people mentioning our number 12, including two of them on this show, had him having it in their top five. Uh, this is where One Night in Miami uh, is going to land in at number oh. 12. And again, I think it might have a lot, a lot to do with not it. a lot of people have seen, seen it. it. So, uh, But four people did have it mentioned, and it did score a number one from the very lovely... Andrew. Uh, so that is number 12. Number 11 is The Invisible Man. Four people had uh, that in their top nice. five as well. So that is number 11. And we are on to the top 10. Here we go. Number 10, a movie we haven't talked about Wolfwalkers. This is an animated film available on oh, yeah. Apple TV Plus um, and worthy of this ranking, I think. It's really, really good. We just did not have a chance yeah. to talk a lot about it. Um, but it is in at number 10. It was on four people's top five. Uh, on five people's top five, our number nine is Onward. This is where Onward comes nice. in at number nine, uh, including somebody having it at number one. Our number eight, two people had at their number one out of five people total. Uh, this is where Sound of Metal uh, comes in at number eight. Uh, on and that would have. I actually submitted my list before I saw it because I, I sent this to you. I think four days That's ago. That's true. Yeah, and I saw the movie only two days ago. Um, so that would have probably ranked even higher because it was my second favorite of the year. That's true. Yes, it probably would have jumped. In fact, if you had it at number two, well, I'd have to know like yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. the rest of your list, but just based on another four points for being your your number two, uh, that would have moved it um, 
let's see, where's it at now? Well, I would have moved it up one one spot. So good yeah, enough. good enough. <laughs> uh, was great. It would have it would have tied it with, um, yeah, like a complete tie. It would have complete tied it with the five bloods, which is the current number seven. Uh, the five bloods had uh, five people uh, on their list. In number six is where Hamilton ended up. Now this is an, again an uh. interesting one. Um, but yeah, three people had it as their number one. Six people overall had it on their list. And you two both liked it, but chose to exclude it deliberately. Is that right? I did. I'm not sure about Andrew. Yeah, I, I, I didn't put it on my list because I didn't really think of it. It probably would have <laughs> made enough. my list. Yeah. Yeah, I, I specifically made the decision not to include it on my best of lists uh, this year. I originally, Normally, I probably, I probably would have agreed with that decision, but with such a lack of like big tentpole films mm-hmm. it, yeah. i felt like i need it this is one of the only movies i scored a 10 last year i have to include it even if it isn't technically yeah. a narrative feature i i in in listen honestly i have i have no problem like the, no problem with anybody that does put it on their list obviously because it, it originally was planned to be a theatrical release too yeah, it yeah. wasn't always mm-hmm. supposed to be just streaming so um, so yeah, I have no problem with that it comes in at number six and we are on to our top five here we go number <laughs> five. Uh, eight people had this in their top five, uh, scored a total of 23 points. One person had it at number one. Trial of the Chicago 7 comes in at number five uh, in 2020. And at number four, nine people had it on their list. 25 points total, two number ones. Promising Young Woman uh, comes in nice. at number uh, four. These, these are all excellent films. I don't have any complaints. Yeah, the Sif Pop peoples, they, they do a good job. They do a good job. Uh, coming, good folk. Coming in at number three, nine people. Top three. Nine people had it on their list. 28 points total. One, number one, Tenet comes in at number three. Ooh. It's interesting that it was only one person had it at number one, but a lot had it in the top five. Yeah, yeah. Um, also interesting, uh, our number one and number two, uh, number two had 13 people have it in their top five. Number one had 14 people have it in their top five, which is almost half the contributors uh, had both yeah, of these right. movies in their top five. Um, but they are really not close in the points. Uh, number two <laughs> with 38 points, two number ones is Palm Springs in at number oh, wow. two. Uh, I was nice. wondering where it was going to land on yeah. the list. That's way higher than I thought. And then uh, number one, 14 people, 54 points, five number ones, three number twos, uh, Soul comes Hubie in. Hubie Halloween. <laughs> Hubie Halloween is the number one. So wow. Soul, Soul is the number one Sif Pop yeah. movie of the year. And yes, obviously I'm pleased with that. It was my number one as well. But uh, but it seems to be a very common thing uh, among the Sif Pop crew uh, to put it up there. And honestly... Fingers crossed, Academy. You can nominate this for Best Picture. There's no rule against it. Uh, you can go ahead and do that. Everybody will love it, I promise. It's happened before. Toy Story 3, You're Beauty and wrong. the Beast, they got Best Picture I think Up as well got a Best Picture yeah. nomination. So That was the first year they expanded to 10, I and, think. And that, is, uh, and that is another thing that Soul maybe has in its column is Pete Doctor as well is, you know, the Academy has a history with Pete Doctor. Um, so, yeah. So, there you go. Congratulations to Soul, and thank you so much to our amazing Sif uh, Pop contributors. We appreciate you, and thanks for sticking with us on a long Sifties podcast. Uh, yeah, we appreciate two you. hours, twelve minutes. This is a good, good run. Yeah. Yeah. We're hanging out. We we did it though. We did a podcast, guys. We we ranked stuff. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, we ranking. did. I'm such yes, a ranker. 
Yes, yes, you are. You are you are rank. That is true. That's not what I meant. Thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out with us again today. Thank you, buddy. Huge thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. An extra <laughs> dose of thanks to Drew for putting together the graphics for this big show. Uh, thank big you, Drew. Big golf clap. And uh, thank you so much to Jonathan Paula for joining us uh, for the show again. Jonathan, uh, where do you want to, to send people? What would you recommend you're, you're to them? You're very welcome. I uh, just hit up my letterbox. It's the only thing I update these days. Everything else is toxic, and you should stay away from <laughs> those social platforms. Uh, letterbox.com slash John Paula, J-O-N-P-A-U-L-A. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to review more often. Sometimes if I, I have a few minutes, I'll just write a couple hundred words or whatever, but... Uh, and and I'm just ranking, always ranking, always, always ranking. Listing. That's right. That's right. Uh, I just I just published my my 20, uh, 20 top ten as a list uh, just before this podcast went up. So uh, I think it's probably the exact same thing we just heard. But if you want to see it on the list form on Letterbox, it's there. There it is. Uh, yeah, I've really been enjoying uh, getting more into uh, Letterbox, joining kind of full full force. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, lots of ways to continue to uh, hang out with us. You can leave a comment, rate, or review at Apple Podcasts, or you can email us, feedback at sifpop.com. Uh, and much love and gratitude to our SIFPOP members for giving monthly to make SIFPOP a real thing. Support starts at 3 bucks a month, and you get access to every bonus episode we record. We uh, try to do those weekly, uh, and you can check those out again at patreon.com slash SIFPOP. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it too, so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than subjectively ranking artistic expressions. Uh, we will be back. <laughs> <laughs> we will be back next week, probably with one night in Miami and another movie to review, and we'll see you then. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.